Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it's the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I am Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Mr. Ian Wadley, my, my ace boon coon. <laughs> That's right. My nigga. <laughs> With up? an A, not an R. Right? <laughs> right. That's the correct pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, and uh, Ian, we're going to do Operation Mindcrime today, and we're doing it because somebody donated. Who is that person that donated for the show? That is none other than Mike Glenmire. Did I say that right? Glenmire? Close. It's Glenmeyer, but Glenmire, it's, that's it. That's it. It's all sure. right. Mike Nitroglycerin. Fucking welcome <laughs> Ooh, to the show. Ooh, I like buddy. that. Thanks, yeah, man. I'm a big fan, so um I'm happy right. to do this with you guys, yeah. Uh a new fan, by the way. He's all he's he, he's playing, he's catching up to our episodes. Yeah, and, and now that you've been on the show, it is a law that you have to start your own podcast, so we'll be looking very forward to that. Yeah, exactly. Just don't <laughs> don't don't have a co host that's a mummy. <laughs> Got it. You did not go there. Hello. All right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Mike, since you are a guest, why don't you tell us how you discovered Operation or, Minecraft? Well, well, first, how how did you discover the podcast? Since you're relatively new, we don't know your backstory. Well, uh, funny story is I was in my iTunes podcast app and I was looking for stuff for Maiden because I got tickets to go see them this summer. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I found you guys had like four episodes by this point. So I download them all and I'm at work listening to the first one somewhere in time, which is an album I love. And I hear Ralph just slamming it. But I'm laughing to my coworker because my favorite part was when he goes, I'm see-, when you, I think Ralph was talking about seeing them live on that tour. He goes, I don't get, he goes, I'm like the only one who doesn't get it. Like, and I just found that funny. And I, even though I disagreed with some of the opinions, I found the overall podcast very entertaining. And uh, so ever since then, I've been going through the catalog and on the Facebook page and having a good time. Right on. Cool, man. By, by the way, since that episode, I changed my tune on loneliness loneliness of a long distance runner i now love that song oh i know i've been listening to the newer episode so oh i, I, I mentioned that okay yeah yeah you said like your band member was like yo dude you gotta check this one out again. yes <laughs> yeah and i did and i was like holy fuck this song is good underrated song completely but great yeah. song never played live uh once it was played once on really? the very first show of that tour yes and oh, then there's look only, at mr there, nerd here <laughs> i i am a nerd when it comes to this stuff but there is one recording of that song, and it was only done the very first night of that tour. Wow. Nice. Oh, we got a new Terrence. No, <laughs> yeah. I, no, 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 no. Uh, all right, well, wh- now uh, tell us about Operation Mindcrime, why you picked it, uh, you know, when you yeah, tell us why about how you first one? Why this? this one and not the superior Operation Minecraft 2? Oh, it was hard, you know, especially when you're looking at Operation Minecraft 2 and seeing how no band members wrote that. But I went back to or this one. Or played on it. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Like uh, a couple years later, I was like, whoa, no wonder it sucks. But um, it's not Scott Rockefeller on drums. Nope. You can tell. It's, it's very generic. Eddie Jackson, I believe, did one or maybe two songs on that album. 
Oh my god. It's just so that's what you know what that's what's so sad about where this band went with Tate after yeah. Chris left. It's just this band was so amazing with Chris and Jeff, yeah. but um I agree. What why I mean this is a very important album to me. I, I love it very much at the time. I think I first heard it, I was about eleven. I was into like docking and stuff like that, and my dad had this huge vinyl collection. And he made me you remember those Maxwell tapes, ninety minute tapes? Yes. I used to buy them, yeah. Yeah, so my dad would always put new music on. Like, my dad liked a lot of stuff that I eventually got into, so he was cool that way. He played guitar. I played drums. Um, he put my, most of Mind Crime on one side, and then he put Empire on the other side. Now, I know you guys don't like Empire. I like that album. It's different. but I'm I sure think, Ian likes it, though. I like, I like half of it. Well, I mean, I, I, maybe half is a strong word. <laughs> I, I think what I like about I don't look for Queensryche to always be heavy, so I enjoy the songwriting and how well structured they usually write songs. But um, yeah, I was about eleven, and when I heard this album, it was amazing. I remember my dad kind of like spraying the Z's had the F word in it, so that was like a little risque when I was a little younger. He's like, "Oh, I forgot this was in there," but. <laughs> But I mean, I fell in love with this album and, you know, I'll go through more track by track when you go into it. It's just this album, it just bro- it blew my mind as to what an album could be and what music was. So, and yeah, I didn't see you guys had it done yet. And I was like, let's do this. And, and I'm so glad you did, because last week when we purposely sold you out, Ian lied to you. Um, he, uh, <laughs> he called I, me. Yeah, he did. <laughs> no, actually, yeah, it's something. Well, I don't know what the fuck happened. Oh yeah, I think it was computer problems, right? Yeah, here. last week was computer problems. The week before that, you could, you didn't wake up. <laughs> oh, that's right. I slept. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a Saturday, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, last week we were gonna do it, and this is before I knew I had the computer problems. So I sat there and listened to it, and it's funny because I was like, oh, let me listen to vinyl since I have the vinyl. And when I pulled the vinyl out, the fucker was still sealed. I never unsealed it, you know, because I've only listened to it on, on, on CD all these years. Yeah. And uh, I was like, fuck it. I opened it up. I put it on. Still sounds amazing. And, oh, my God, listening to the whole thing, I was like, fuck, man. And because to me, my favorite album of all time is Pink Floyd, The Wall. This is like the heavy metal version of The Wall to me. And I feel like this album, like, you're like, it's over. And you're like, whoa. Like, it's it doesn't feel that long, even though there's some longer songs on here. I just right. feel like it moves. It's pacing. It's one of the most, if you talk about track listing and pacing, it's easily one of the best albums that has ever done that. You know, like, it's paced perfectly. Oh, yeah, no. Per- and, and bleeds into each song. is perfect. Uh, the flow of the album, the heaviness, and then the mellow, and then... You know, the, the mid-tempo, everything is just so precisely perfect. It's like these guys were hungry as fuck, you know, because they had the backing. You had EMI throwing a lot of money at the warning and Rach Roder didn't really do as well. Maybe they were like their backs against the wall saying, man, we need a hit and let's do something. They, I th- You can tell they took their time with this shit. Yeah, but this was a slow hit, though. This didn't hit right away. Oh, I know. I know because I bought this album when it came out. And it wasn't until Eyes of the Stranger video that was shown on MTV a long time later, because um, that's when it became big. Like, Eyes of the Stranger. And I was, like, even going, I love Eyes of the Stranger. Don't get me wrong, but I was thinking, this ain't a good one to, like, I was thinking something more like, you know, an edited version of Spreading the Disease or, 
Revolution Calling or even The Mission, you know, would be a better leadoff single. But boy, I was wrong. Uh, Eyes of Stranger did did wonders. You know what they did, though? They did a weird, before Eyes of Stranger was released, like I went and found this on YouTube. They actually did like a, they released Speak as like a live performance single, but it wasn't live performance. It was just them mimicking on some weird show in Europe. It was really weird. Oh, I've never seen that. I, I, dude, I've had this album for like ever and it i found it like six months ago i'm like what i never seen this piece of footage from that time it's really weird well that 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 really didn't help because you see at that time mtv is what broke bands so that wasn't shown on mtv at least mtv america you know correct and and, and look what broke it was the eyes stranger video i'm telling you mtv was the tool to become big i mean and there's exceptions like it's amazing metallica became as big as they did without videos you know but even made it in the states were big without a lot of videos uh it, that were maiden didn't have a lot in the no, u.s no no maiden did maiden had videos yeah on mtv all through but you know but like every metal band they always had them on like metal shows you know it wasn't like they'd show on prime time but yeah maiden like flight of icarus num- number the beast and uh run to the hills were fucking played constantly and the early mtvs when they didn't have a lot of videos they would show iron maiden a lot from the rainbow show with piano that oh, was yeah, constantly yeah. shown and that and ratchet those two performances they would show over and over again so yeah maiden was played a lot on mtv back then they were but it was still you know on select shows it wasn't like on prime time and shit but yeah flight of the icarus the trooper uh you know two minutes to midnight ace is high not that much but, yeah, I thought like Power Slave On, it wasn't as much on American uh, MTV as it was oh, like overseas for them. Wasted years, they really did fucking push. Back. Oh, yeah. Waste, wasted yeah. years. Yes. Stranger in a Strange Land. Yeah, those two were played a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, man, this was the first Queensryche album that I bought. I had heard of them before that. I had seen them in Hit Parader. Uh, and I always thought they had a weird look because, you know, when I came around was the time of Rage for Order where, you know, he had that horrible, horrible haircut. But there was just something about it because it was so different. I was like, man, they must be really good to let that haircut fly. <laughs> Their music must be <laughs> badass. And I saw an ad for this in Hit Parader and bought it before I even, you know, saw the video. Just there's something about, you know, the, the album cover and it had like, you know, uh, Dr. X on, on the cover and shit and it already had like some good reviews from like Kerrang and shit like that uh, so I was like oh, let me check this out and I just I think I got it like maybe three weeks after it came out I'd gone to my dad's for the summer and uh, rode my 10 speed to the record store bought it put it on my walk man and I went <coughs> I went in an abandoned uh, vid, uh, warehouse and I just, I was listening to it, I was blown away, and I just, for the whole album, I just rode my bike around this warehouse, listening to it, and I'd never heard, you know, this was like none of the cock rock that I was listening to, you know, none of it was really concept, you know, music and stuff, but I was so blown away, and, you know, I, I'm spoiler alert right now, uh, not only do I think this is the greatest concept record ever made, I think it's one of the finest records, period, we've ever reviewed on the show. I mean, I, I would, second that. I, yeah, <laughs> I'd agree as far as like, uh, I, I would still put uh, the wall over this, and even well, to well, an extent, well, well, what, Quadrophenia. 
why I emphasized uh, concept is, you know, yeah, yeah, the wall, you know, the, the wall is the wall. I mean, it's incredible. But I'm saying, if you're telling a story, I, I think there's there's no better concept record than this because this, I got all of this. It wasn't like, like the wall, I, I mean, it, it, there's you know, if you didn't have the movie to go along with the wall, and there's still shit on the wall that like, what the fuck does this mean? What the fuck does yeah. that, that mean, you know? But this tells a cohesive story. Yes, you, you, you are correct. You know what's going on. So uh, for achieving to t tell a story completely with, with an album, I think no album does it better than this. And it also has what I, what I feel is it's so important to a concept record is the songs have to stand on their own aside from the story. Like if you just heard the song, you would know that's a good song. You don't have to hear it after this. You just know that this is a good, complete song. But so that's what makes this the total package because you you can hear a song by itself. You can hear it all together. You know what's going on. This isn't, you know, Twin Peaks where like, what does this mean? I mean, you know what's going on, and it is a great fucking story, a great fucking story. In fact, I only have one question about this album. And I'll bring it up when we, when we get to the song. I got a feeling Michael know the answer here. He's a brainiac. Uh, Anti-rock sponge. Yeah, anti-rock sponge. <laughs> You're a feminine sponge. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'll take that. That's fine. You're but, a female uh, sponge. But uh, no, this is great. And, you know, I, I've always wanted to do this out. But this is one of those, you know, it is, it, it's, it's so good and so obvious. I was like... Man, let, let's keep putting that off because we can only do this once, <laughs> you know. And and it, it, of course, I'd be surprised if anybody has anything bad to say uh, about this. But yeah, an important album, and it kind of ruined Queensryche in a way for me because it was the first one I heard, and nothing uh, that I've ever heard has lived up to this. Now, there's some albums I enjoy. Actually, there's a lot of albums I enjoy, but nothing has ever topped this. <coughs> Uh, if I could just second your point, Ian, about the concept, like it's so well done and it doesn't feel like you're crowbarring the story. And sometimes, you know, like when you have to like you hear certain concept albums and they just throw a song, you're like, ah, you know, if it wasn't for this being part of the concept, like this song is completely throwaway. Uh, it doesn't. You know, it just like kind of like crowbar stuff in this song. I mean, just the way this thing is done is, to me, I would agree with you. It's the best concept album, just for the totality of what it is. Um, and it always sounds like really fresh to me. I've listened to this thing so many times, but I think because it it's got like a universal vibe to it, it it, it fits in all political climates. It just it's a fresh album. Like every time you listen, for me at least. Yeah, I concur. Well, yeah, um, when I first got it, I was already a big Queensryche fan. I, I loved, you know, I, I knew him with E.T. And uh, and then The Warning, which, you know, I don't know, man. I, I think The Warning's better, to tell you the truth. But, um... Yeah, Warning's you know, better than the E.P., you mean? No, than Minecraft. Whoa. And, but <laughs> but I have nothing bad to say about Minecraft, but I gotta tell you, man, I guess it's because of, you know, the, my timing and stuff, but... To me, the warning is just so fucking perfect too. Without, be it's like mind crime without a fucking concept. I think it's just, I just think every song on there is really good, and all the chances they take on the warning like work for me, like E5, whatever the fucking 
and M156. Yeah, oh my god, I love that song. Oh, and that it's such dual, a weird tune. Yeah, you know? but that dual and, harmony in the middle is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and my favorite song of all time from Queens Rock Roads to Madness, No Sanctuary, it's fucking me. I now, mean, I could go on and on. What I need to do with that album, I, I need to revisit, like, I don't, it's not that I don't like it, but it's just never grabbed me as much as this have, has. But what I did in my iTunes is I went and I rearranged the track order to put it in what the band wanted because they got really pissed that the record company changed everything around. They said it fucked up the flow of the album and what they had intended. And it, yeah, oh, you, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you, if you go on Wikipedia, it'll, it'll show you the uh, the track listing that they wanted. You know, like how they wanted everything to flow. And uh, yeah, they were very. Did it upset. still open with the warning? Uh, let me check. I can click on it right now. Because uh, to me, I don't think that's really that strong of an opener. It's a great song, but I don't think it's a good strong opener. Uh, I... uh, orig- original. This this is how the band wanted it. Uh, NM one five six opening up. Then in. Oh, that's weird. In force, no sanctuary, deliverance, take hold of the flame. Before the storm, child of fire, warning, and end with rodents to madness. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I always thought the warning was a weird opener, even though I like the song. I just thought it's a weird way to start the album. But shit, that fucking uh, computer song is even weirder to start the album with. Well, it's kind of got like a, a built-in intro to it. Yeah. And it it crescendos to like that balls out middle section with the guitars. I mean, I can see that being like. Honestly, if that was the opener, that might be one of their best openers of all time. It, for me, yeah. though, I, lo- I love that now song. Now that I think about it, yeah, it is a better opener than Warning, though. But, yeah, I mean, but then Rage for Water Order came out, and uh, I loved it first listening, but the more I listened to it, the more I loved it. It was a grower, but fucking the first time I heard it, I was like, man, this band, I, I, even back then when it was, if it ain't metal, it sucks. I gave them a pass because I just felt like, man, they're so weird and they're so original. And yet these songs, you know, like that one too. You know, I mean, if you want to listen to a Rachel Order episode, I talked about yeah. what, what I feel about that album. But Mind Crime came out and Mind Crime was like, dude, the first time I heard it, because back then this is what I would do. I'd buy an album, I'd come home, I'd listen to it and I'd lay back and read the lyrics. That's always my first listen. I would always do that. The first, I don't listen to albums unless I read the lyrics. Back then, I don't do that anymore. Too busy. But, oh my God, man. I remember laying down the experience I had listening to that album that, yeah, the first time I heard it, I go, man, I think this is the best thing they've done yet. You know, I think it's better than The Warning. But I guess The Warning's just too special to me. But... Yeah, dude, and then, you know we'll get into the album now. But I gotta tell you, and, and if you don't mind, I, w- I would like to start it because I have some interesting to say about what's the thing that opens it. What's it called? I remember, I remember, I remember now. now. Yeah. Okay, I remember now. Um, <laughs> I I noticed this like I don't know, like soon, like maybe months after this album. You know how it starts? It goes, Doctor David, Doctor David, Doctor Blair. Stock, the stock footage. Yeah. Dude, I remember watching TV and hearing that. On Ralph. some, on oh different TV shows, on different movies, I kept hearing Doctor David, and I was like, "Oh my, that's my crime." 
you and I are, are the same because now I'm younger than you, but like I was at my grandmother's house one time listening to this album, and then she was watching like a show called Diagnosis Murder, and I'm like, wait a second, this is yeah. Operation Mind Crime. This is, I'm like, what is going? It blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, that was actually something they used. You know, it was it was because believe me, it was soon after that album came out, it started stealing TV shows, and hearing it, but. uh and, you know, I didn't know nothing about stock footage. And it wasn't until I met Queensryche on the here, here in the Now Frontier that I did talk to Jeff Tate about it. And I said, man, you know, it's wild. It's like, you know, I keep hearing Dr. David. And and then he was like, oh, no, that's that's uh, stock shit. That, we got that from, you know, from, that's like a universal thing. Yeah, it's in a lot of movies. And he even named off some movies and some were popular that I can't remember now. But I don't remember now. But um, Ooh, I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, you see what I did there? But, yeah, and it's just such a cool, like, you get the vision of the nurse, the nurse walking in and the guy in the bed and, and the way she just goes, sweet dreams, you bastard. And then it goes right into that. And I was like, oh, my God. It, it, to me, dude, I got chills talking about that fucking intro. Just the intro itself, the music hasn't even started, and I think it's already badass, you know? So that's what I think of I Remember Now. All right, Mike, what do you think? Well, um, this album I know so well, but I still wanted to write some notes down. And I would just echo what you said, Ralph, like when especially the first time I heard it, this was not like anything I ever heard. Like that's that intro really makes this concept album so great. It's cinematic. It's not just an audio experience like it literally could be like um, you play like a movie in your mind and it, it really does between the stock footage all the little nuances like you can hear her tightening up the um tourniquet to give him the shot like it's so amazingly and well detailed it's just a it's a perfect intro yeah i i agree with it and i love that it it sets the mood perfectly you know on on concept albums you, you find a lot of like just shit that doesn't need to be there you know just noodling shit that serves no purpose you know and uh you know boring instrumentals that lead nowhere and shit where yeah i don't think you have any of that on here but this you know it just puts you you know in that mind frame and gets you ready for the story and uh i mean just a perfect example so many people have tried and failed you know this is no uh you know waste wasted intro uh absolutely love it and then it leads into anarchy x which, man, I, I, I love the way it builds the anticipation just with the, you know, with the music, you know, and the, the way it builds and, uh, you know, a perfect intro into the next song. And it's not like fucking fanfare or some shit like that, you know, and then just, what is this? Why? I mean, it all feels like it has purpose and belongs there. And, uh, and it is, like you know, a lot of concept albums have like you know like an overture like you know pete townsend always did that shit and you know and then, then of course blackie's got to copy him and have his fucking overtures and flow in and out you don't need that with this they just have you know just a building of of uh of what's to come and i think it's awesome what do you think of anarchy x mike uh yeah it it really like kind of punches you right in the face right after that uh, I remember now intro because you're just sitting hanging on that word as he's repeating it and it's a, it's a great short instrumental got some great guitar harmony in it and I like the vibe 
that it sh- it gives you like the importance of like this movement that Jeff is going to talk about in the next couple of songs about this coming political revolution. You hear the ch- the march, you know, or whatever the rally that's being held in the background. I mean, so I feel like I remember now really gets you going, and then Anarchy X. I mean, if you're not ready for the rest of this album, I don't know what else. It's it's the perfect intro to this album. I can't think of anything better they could have done. Yeah, a fucking masterpiece. Like, the the drumming on it is badass, and you hear, like, you know, uh, like, it kind of sounds like Dr. X on a megaphone or, like, at a, at a rally, you know, and people like, eh, but, you know, then, you know, I don't know if you guys own Video Mind Crime. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that montage footage is fucking awesome with the, you know, the, the Monotel, uh, what is it, Monotel Cocktails, what do they call that? Mobstop. Yeah, yeah, Montauk cocktails and and you know the riots and all that shit going on. So that music really does like. I never really got that vision. Just listen. I just felt like you know it's like, you know, after listening as a whole and then going back to it, it's like I guess that's like Doctor X talking to you know the public and they're all fucking agreeing with them and blah blah. To tell you the truth, and and Ian brought up an interesting point, but it, it shows you what a simpleton I am. That I really. I, the, the, the story does flow. I read the lyrics well. I can tell, you know, there's a hooker and there's a nun and a junkie. And, but then there's certain parts of this where I'm kind of like lost. So even lyric, reading the lyrics and I've studied the album, and there's certain parts of this shit that I'm kind of lost on. And hopefully you guys will bring it to my attention. Like, um, I don't know who killed Mary. Now, t- tell me who killed Mary when we get to that song, you know? But okay. I have no idea who uh, the fuck killed Mary. It's not, it's I mean, it's it's not totally revealed in the album as it was in live performances. When I saw them do this whole album, like, I think it was like 2005, they re-came, you know, they came back right. and uh-huh. did this. In, and then they really showed you, it was ambiguous, even in Video Mind Crime. Well, uh, Video they, Mind Crime, they showed the priest come in, and then Dr. X, then Nick, and it's like, who, mm-hmm. who did it? It doesn't exactly. really explain yeah. well, it. You know? it's explained in part two oh, okay yeah, yeah which exactly. which you're right Ian because they did that tour when they re when they came back because yeah. I saw them in upstate New York do mind crime and I'm young enough where I want you know I didn't get to see it on the building Empire sewer so yeah that uh, I, did. I did see that so I'm definitely and how badass me. how badass to go into mind crime right after Roads to Madness that was fucking epic yeah, when I saw the track list, I'm like, whoa, that, I would never expect them to, especially at that time, throw Rose and Madness out there. Oh, my God. That was such an amazing show, dude. And Yeah, that was the highlight. Rose to Madness to that whole album. Fucking great. The, the only downer of that album, they ended it with like, Silent Lucidity. But <laughs> I'm sure they did that because they wanted people to stick around. Because when I saw that fucking concert, that was the song. Well, yeah, and I'm sure most of the people when they were filling arenas for that tour were like, I want to hear Empire because I know that album. And then they're right. going to throw Mind Crime in the middle of that set. People are probably like, I mean, you would know better. People are probably like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, no, I mean, I was like, I was fucking like mesmerized by it. You know, I loved the whole thing because this is before Operation Live Crime came out. So, you know, I got to witness, you know, the cartoons and all that shit. Uh, firsthand, you know, I mean, it was when you were the, seeing that show. When did you think? Oh, I think they're going to do this whole thing. Like, what part of? No, the no. Se- actually, actually, I read it. I, I uh, it was on, on a magazine, 
that they were performing the whole, or maybe it was on Headbangers Ball, they were performing the whole Operation Mindcrime live on the Empire. And I was like, oh, baby. Yeah, you know, so. Oh, so and, they did that at every show? I thought it was just selected yeah. shows. Oh, no, okay. they did no, it at every show. Well, and they did even, it at the show in the Miami Arena, they did it. No, they did it on every show in the Building Empire tour that they headlined. And also, I saw, I have, I've seen YouTube video of when they first started that tour in Japan. They didn't have any of the cartoon stuff. It was just all backing track because they didn't have the rear projection screens in Japan right. or something like that. Yeah, we had the full-blown stage shows. Just so, that was probably the best time I saw things like. But, um, yeah, I just love uh, the song, whatever it's called. In our kids. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm not the best at remembering, like, the little intros. I mean, to me, this whole song's Revolution Calling. Yeah. I hear you. Well, why don't you take Revolution Calling? Oh, my God. What a great fucking song, you know? Um, uh, Jeff Tate is so fucking amazing when he just comes in. And with the whole concept of, uh, you know, the whole, you know, about the revolution, you know, and uh, just the way he sings it, too. You know, everyone's a crook. And I love, like, when the band, st- the whole band stops, like, revolution calling. And it's just, I don't know, it's it just, it's, to me, it's just the whole song is that song. It, it just, I don't know, it's hard for me to fucking take that song away from that intro. I think that intro should be called Revolution Call, yeah. But um, I love it. I think it's, a, it's an amazing uh, way to start off the fucking album with that song. It really builds the, the story, like, you know, this is what's going on around the, in the world. And then it gets back, and then it goes into, you know, what's going on in this Dr. X world and shit. But, uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, who can you trust when everyone's a crook? You know, it's, 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 it's like a bleak look at this world that they're talking about, you know, and uh, with the crooked politicians. And, and who, by the way, who is, is Dr. X like a politician? Not really. No. He's kind of, no. But he's like a, a, a revolutionist. I mean, he wants to bring on, you know, for lack of better, anarchy. He, he, you know, he wants oh, okay. his leaders to be killed to bring on an actual revolution where everything changes. So revolution calling. That's yeah. what he's doing. Right. Yeah. So this song, this song is basically a song about Dr. X's plan. And I think you're getting it from Nikki's point of view. His feeling. I think it's more about Nikki and his... I mean, not to walk over... You're your, right. You're right with... I'm sick of all this bullshit they keep feeding Sell me on TV. Yeah, yeah. From the communist plan. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it is Nikki talking about the whole thing Dr. X is planning. Right. You're right. You're right. I didn't, I didn't look at it that way. Where the beginning before the vocals is kind of like what Dr. X is doing. And then when Jeff comes in, Jeff is Nikki talking about it. Yeah, it's like Nikki's view of the world and the corruption around it. And it kind of sets the stage for him being susceptible to what's going to happen, you know? Right. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah it's well yeah, it's well detailed. Oh, we forgot to mention that. Um, I remember now it starts at 6, was it p.m. in the in the liner notes? Um, like, because that comes yeah. back at the end. Yeah, it's. I mean, this thing is so detailed, it's unbelievable. It's 6 p.m. What in the hospital? Yes. Okay. So, so what? What in, in the frame of this whole album? How long is it? 
Like, and then yeah. at the end of Eyes of a Stranger, it's 601 after he remembers everything. It's like a minute in his mind. Also, also everything comes back to him at the end. Right. Correct, yeah. Like this whole album is like a minute in his head, basically. Wow. That's is, wild. Is that trippy? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome. That is so cool. Hi, right, Ian. What do you think of Revolution Call? Uh, I just love it. I, I love how it sets. It gives a great overview of the story. I mean, how I've always interpreted, you know, as it is from from uh, Nikki's point of view, and just shows like, you know, how disgusted he is with society, and and now he he hears of uh, Doctor X, you know, the man with the cure, and uh, you know, just like yeah, you know, it's time to do something, and he and he, you know, he says for a price he'll do about anything, you, you know, and. And he's like the the man for this, and this sounds like a good deal to him. And you know, he wants to help bring on the fucking end. And and was he a junkie at this point? Uh, I I believe he, he was probably like a dabbler. I th- I think as it goes on, like my interpretation of it is is Doctor X, you know, got him really strung out. But I'm sure he was like right. a part. Like he didn't need to be pushed that much, but he he was easier to control. Uh, you know, from Doctor X's point of view. You know, if, if you got him hooked, you know, he needs to come back to, to get that fix and he'll do what, you you know, you tell him to do. But, it, but you know, like he already kind of, like, like he has his vision, like Dr. X isn't a bad guy at first, you know, like, yeah, you know, plus he's giving him free smack, you know. But, uh, but, I, but I just, you know, not only all this cool shit about the story, but the bottom line is the song is just fucking amazing. Uh, you know, you know, and, and Jeff. This to me, this is the best he ever sounded. I think he really found his voice on this. You know, but sometimes you listen to him and like, oh, this is Jeff Tate doing Jeff Tate. You know, like he's always got to remind you he's Jeff Tate and he can do this and he can do that. Where like this, nothing sounds forced or you know, it's just like this is what he evolved into as a singer, and and, and he doesn't over sing one fucking note. He just like. He's just got yeah, it. Yeah, he's in character. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 he, and, he, and he sells it great. I, I just, Terrific. Great, great song, and uh, man. I mean, I see what you're saying about how it's all one song to you, but I, I mean, I'm just looking at it from a story standpoint and as a concept album point. You know, I see how they have them broken up, and, and it's just, it's all good. You know, there's no, there's no fucking fat that needs to be trimmed. Uh, not, not at all. Everything is so, is so fucking picture perfect. And what do you get out of uh, Revolution Column, Mike? Well, uh, the first time I heard it, and I heard how it builds up. That I don't like, like you, Ian. I don't view this as one whole song because there's distinct movements between, not bowel movements, but you know what I'm talking about, between the different songs. So when Scott first comes in with that hi hat thing, I never heard someone play their hi-hat like that with on the bell of the hi-hat so as a drummer that made me take notice and this song builds and jeff is just amazing with that no falsetto all was it three octaves and head voice whatever he has there um the lyrics are amazing it just feel it, it just it, it's envious that some that these guys could write such an amazing song and it seems easy it doesn't even seem like this was you're right like forced at all uh yeah i mean my interpretation of the story at this point is yeah this is nikki uh viewing his view of the world obviously and he's not happy with things and i think he's kind i mean i think he's probably a party animal at this point 
because it, uh, but it doesn't really get explained totally. He just seems like he's just aimless. He's got nothing, and he's just looking for a direction. But overall, I mean, the lead the lead guitar work between Chris and Mike are great. Eddie Jackson. I mean, what Miller can you say? It's a great album. It's a great song. Just amazing song. All right. Well, why don't you take the next one, the title track? Uh, Operation My Crime. Uh, I love the intro to it. This is when you really start getting more of Nikki's background as to a kid who was not didn't do well in school, did drugs, just looking for something to cling to. But overall, as a song, it's one of my top favorite songs on the album. The whole bass drum, uh, the bass and the drums, how they work together the riffs and i just like the se- the leads on this album sounds so like searing you know like i think it's the way they record it they said it was all done digitally uh it's just easily one of my favorite songs really now i don't have a bad word to say about it so it's perfect it's a perfect song like almost to me all right ralph yeah man that <laughs> phone call in the beginning who, who is that dr x calling nikki or something yeah. yeah, hello. Mind crime. Then he hangs up on him and then And shudders. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and then then uh then he hangs up and then he, he calls again when he picks up the song kicks in. Love and, that. And uh oh, yeah, dude, it's like so the precision on this. And you know, I know Queen's Rock is kind of a proggy band, but there's nothing prog about this shit. I mean, it does get a little proggy later. With, especially with the longer song, but but it's it's very it's very straight to the point. It's very um, it's fucking heavy metal to me. Total heavy metal, traditional metal, and man, I don't know. It's hard for me to fucking put into words because I'm not really that. I, I should have sat down. Like I listened to this album twice in the last week, and I should have like detailed the lyrics so I can talk a little bit more about the storyline. So uh, just take this as uh, me talking about the music itself. Um, I just love it. I saw, I just saw Queens like like maybe five months ago with Armand Saint. Uh, they played this song. This was the second song they played off on that set, and it's just such a great fucking song. Great title track and uh, and yeah, I don't even know what Operation Mindcrime means. Is that the the, the operation he gave Nikki? Well, I, I mean, it, it's kind of like that's that's. Uh, when he says mind crime, that's the thing. It's kind of like a Manchurian candidate uh, thing where, you know, they brainwashed uh, right. Nikki, and now when he hears that, that's what triggers him to go do his thing. And it, it you know, when I listen to this song, what I get out of it is, is this is uh, Dr. X coming in, you know, and he's telling you, you know, I'm going to take away questions. Yeah, I'm going to make you sure, you know. And like, this is kind of describing how he's going to use. Uh, Nikki as a soldier, uh, you know, and, and, and what his plans are and stuff, and uh, I, I just love that it's it's moody and menacing, and and just I love how it takes a story. Another now you see stuff from Doctor X's point of view and like kind of get an idea of what his plan is, and uh, and how he's going to use Nikki to achieve that plan, and and again this is one, you know, you don't need. Of course, when we listen to it, we listen to it as an album and everything flows. But this is a song, you know, if you've got your iPod or your phone on shuffle and this comes on, you know, it's just like, it's complete in and of itself. 
And then I feel that way about all the songs that are actual songs on here that aren't like, you know, the little instrumentals or, you know, the spoken word parts. All the songs are complete and of themselves. And this masterpiece, I mean, definitely, it, it, it's hard for me to... I shouldn't say it's hard to pick a favorite because I definitely have a favorite and a least favorite, but I love them all. I mean, I mean definitely love them all. And man, I can't say enough good shit about this. I have favorites. There's, there's like three songs on here that I can't pick which one is better than the other. And it hasn't got here yet. But there's three, like maybe two or three songs that I'm like, damn, I can't tell you which one's better than the other. I'm with one you on the, that one, Ralph. One yeah. of those fucking albums that is like, Let's see if it's the same songs. Cause I, there's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. And when we get to the song, I'll say, it. the first time I heard this album, I had a favorite song. But then as like it grew on me, I was like, no, I don't know if this one's better than that one. But I don't think that one's better than this one either. Yeah, I, I, but, I, I already know. I'm almost a hundred percent positive. Uh, we, we don't have the same favorite song, but I mean, oh, of course, the end you're in. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I mean, there is no bad song on here to me. So anyone you pick, I'll be like, hey, that's a great pick, man. Great song. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It is a great song. And I'll, and I'll tell you, it's coming up, the one that was originally my favorite. All but, right. uh, yeah, that's what I think of Minecraft. Well, speaking of that, why don't you take the next song, Speak. Did uh, did did Mike talk about Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who do I take? I take Speak? Yes, please. Oh, now I fucking even get faster. You know, it's like this high... Oh my god, the fucking lyrics to the song, and I posted some of the lyrics uh, earlier today to the song, uh, Speak the Word. I can't remember what fucking part of the song, but there's some genius-ass lyrics in this song. And it's like, speak the word, the word is all seven years of violence. That's the part I put. Uh, the weak uh, controls the government, the media, the, the law. Uh, revolution will grow. Oh my God, it's just so. And and is this this must be Nikki talking too, right? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure Mike probably knows it even more than us. But to me, this is kind of an uh, almost a back and forth between uh, Nikki and Mr. X. Yeah, because because the part where he says eradicate the fascist revolution must grow. That has me a little confused. It's like, wasn't Dr. X fascist? Well, you don't even really know what he is. I mean, as far, and I've listened to, I mean, as far as my interpretation of it, he, all you, I mean, all that's really explained from what I got out of it is that he wants to take power and he labels all of his political enemies either fascists or communists. It's, it's not... They don't really focus on that, I, I think. But it's I, more about Nikki, and they kind of use the political stuff as a backdrop for his right. descent, and, and I, I guess. I think the the best villains, too, don't look at themselves as villains. You know, they look at their, they're doing something right. Everybody else is fucked up, and they're going to let you, you know, they're going to make you see that you're the crazy one, that you're wrong. You know, and I, I get that out of, you know, Dr. X calling these other people's fascists, but but like Ralph brought up, in, in truth, he is a fascist. But, right. but but he's calling everybody out like, no, you're wrong, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to make this happen. But, you know, the beginning of this song, you know, they, they gave me a mission, you know, and I don't know the game yet. You know, that's, you know, stuff from Nikki. But then there's also, you know, parts woven in here. 
where, you know, the speak, speak to me, you know, the pain you feel, that's like, you know, Dr. X talking to Nikki, like, uh, you know, oh, oh, tell me, boy, you know, what, what's wrong with you? And here, I'm going to give you a little medicine that's going to make you feel better. And this is what we're going to do. And this is how, you know, you're going to help me. You, you know, you're going to be a soldier for Christ. You know, you're going to do yeah, something he took, righteous. He took the Castro route because Castro's whole revolution was uh, nothing what he turned out to be. Like, right. he promised all this shit that when he became the dictator, like, you know, he. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, I'm communist now. Yeah, kind of sounds like our dictator, huh? <laughs> I was thinking, you know, this is a good album for this time, especially for you, Ian. I could definitely see uh, you, uh, you must have been. I get. I was imagining you just at home. Don't like, get yeah. too much into it, Ian. Mike can't leave. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm fine. I don't care. Uh, I'm a I'm a libertarian, so whoever you guys want to bash, I don't care. I don't want to get into that. No, I mean, it, you guys can go for it. No, I can no, sit and, here and just like, but I, I think make this, popcorn. This is something that doesn't matter, like who you are you can you can interpret this to any leader you don't like and that's the beauty of it it's not saying it's not preaching one way or the other you know it's saying everybody's fucked up and we're gonna we're gonna change it you know even if you look no. at it like currently like even if you take out whoever our president is like from a political standpoint i just see like the the how divided the nation is and this album makes so much sense from that perspective of how you know how like you yeah. have like this dividing line between people and it feels like Nikki is one of those people who is trying to figure out what's going on and how he can get ahead in life. And this guy swoops in. I mean, it's a, it's obviously a different story. It's, you know, I don't think Donald Trump's Dr. X yet. We don't know, but and just who to, knows? <laughs> You know, if there was Facebook back then, I could have got Nikki on my side. I could have swayed him with drugs and, and my memes. <laughs> and memes, memes and drugs. <laughs> yeah, memes and drugs. <laughs> all right so that's what i think of speak <laughs> ah, all righty how about you mike well speak for me musically is like i i think it's one i think it's the second i think second fastest song on the album it's a short song but it's so well structured uh michael wilton just completely rips in the beginning i think this is one of his yeah he wrote this one with jeff uh, just like a real straight to the point musically like a hard rock heavy metal song but the lyrics just the the whole lyrics on this album transcends uh, and lifts every song up to like you know gem status or whatever you want to say like every song is a killer uh, that bridge part in the middle with you know you know the seven years of power the corporation claw like all those lyrics are relevant in 2017 it's crazy and I, I, like, I know you were, you guys were saying how you think it's Dr. X and Nikki kind of. I got, and, and you, again, it's a little bit open to interpretation. I always thought it was like Nikki talking and then kind of speaking the word of the revolution, getting people on his side, describing, hey, you're down and out. We're going to tear the White House down. We're going to, you know. <coughs> uh, but just like, uh, what can you say? This, when I first got the album, was probably my favorite song when I was younger and I was like oh yeah it just it rips and I mean it's still a great song but uh, this one was one of the first standout tracks to me like ultra standout alright well why don't you take the next one spreading the disease did you say anything about speak yeah I, I basically I kind of got in with Ralph but I pretty much said what I, what I got to say about it okay yeah shocker right uh, spreading disease for me 
of the 10 main songs is maybe my least favorite not saying i don't love because like i love the whole album it's an important song story wise as far as the you get to meet doctor or not doctor uh the reverend williams right was that his name yeah, Rebel, uh, Father William. Father, Father William. William, yeah. And then, obviously, Nikki's girlfriend, uh, Mary, comes in, and it gives her backstory. And I like, like, this is such a well-structured song lyrically from the point of view. Like, you just see Dr. X knows Nikki needs someone in his life, and he gets these two completely dysfunctional people who are both completely fucked up. And they have, then they form some sort of codependence with each other to kind of normalize this. I mean, they're both living like this crazy life at this point. You're kind of getting to the point that Nikki is now an assassin for Dr. X. And I mean, musically, it's great. It's got that killer middle section as well, that that little breakdown part with the uh, spoken word stuff. And as an, you know, a guy who likes to knock. Uh, organized religion myself I think it, I like that middle part a lot again it's maybe my least favorite song but it's still it's got got that great riff of the harmonics in it so I mean great song well that's awesome because you finally given you know something to argue about on this because this is <laughs> this is one of my favorite fucking songs on the album holy fucking shit do I love this song this is blistering fucking metal and uh, and I love how it furthers the story with uh, with Sister Mary, and uh, yeah, you kind of get the sense that he teams them together. I mean, which ultimately backfires because what I get out of this is, you know, that that's the worst thing that could happen to to Nikki is is to give him something that gives him hope because what's really you know feeding him is is his addiction and his anger. But if you give it, you know, give him a little love, man, you're gonna fuck everything up, you know. And, you know, we'll see how that unfolds. But, uh, but yeah, I, I love this one. I love how you, you get into Father William, the, the Sister Mary. You, you start to see things are, are starting to, to go down right now. You know, as far as, like, maybe this wasn't the best idea. Uh, and and I just I love the way to describe it. I remember even, even as a kid when I would love to hear dirty words. Uh, the part where he says 25 bucks a fuck and John's a happy man. It, it, it really, it hit me the way he said it because it, it made it sound like, like it wasn't a, a good fuck. Like, like, like here's somebody doing something against, you know, their will. Somebody who's like, you know, it, it's a sad story. You know, it's not like, huh, I said fuck, you know. I don't know. I just, I always love the way that that hit me right away that I got the despair out of the song. Yeah, he emphasizes that word very heavily, and I, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound sexy or funny or anything, you know? It's not like when David Lee Rollins like, she looks so fucking good, you're like, yeah! You know, it's like, it's like, oh, man, you know, you just picture like a, like a teenager getting banged by like some fucking insurance salesman from Idaho or some shit, you know, and like crying while he's hitting that shit from behind. Uh, well, thanks, uh, Ian, for mentioning an insurance salesman instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love everything about this easily. Uh, I would say my top five songs for this album. I, I play this on my radio show constantly. Uh, and, and again... Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. I, I, I mean, everybody. You know, you gotta pick. There, there's one that's gotta be your least. 
but you can still like it. But yeah, this is one where where it's one of the least for you. It's a standout for me uh, on an album full of standouts. But I, I love the heaviness of it. Everything. I mean, it's just perfection. What do you think, Ralph? This was the song that was my favorite the first time I heard it. And now it's kind of like it's tied for my favorite. Yeah, this is the one that hit me, man, like really hard when I first heard the song. You know, it's just everything about the song is just even when it goes into that, you know, religious sex stuff, power play, manipulate the people from the money they pay, selling skin, selling God. The numbers look the same on the credit cards. That little piece there is so different than the rest of the song, but yet it fits so perfectly, like a puzzle. A puzzle piece that pitch, fits, fits, uh, <laughs> fits perfectly. Uh, I fucking love the hell out of this song. This is like, yeah, tied to my favorite. Spreading the disease, it's just great, you know? It's, it's amazing. How Ian fucking loves this song. <laughs> Those lyrics. I'm like... amazed that this is the one that grabbed. I mean, everything was grabbing me on this album, but this one like took it over the cliff. It was like, wow, how are they gonna top this one, man? This is even better than everything that I've heard before so far, and it's just been flawless. So that one, and and I gotta tell you, for a long time it was my favorite for years, but then there's some songs that that I think are just as good, like. The next one, I adore the mission because this is where the, the the album slows down a bit, but it's oh my god, it's just so fucking good. And I, I this is the, uh, I'll say three songs on this album tied for my favorite. This one and Spreading the Disease, man. The mission, I love uh, on a wooden chair inside my window, and then he goes into the whole thing, which I guess it's Nikki talking about. His mission for Dr. X saved the world, and I stood proud. And it, I just think, by the way, the rest of this review, uh, Ian and Mike is going to tell you what the songs mean. I'm just going to talk about the fucking music, what the music does for me. It's just so fucking good. Emotionally great. And it's what I love about Queensryche when they do songs like this, like The Killing Word and take hold of the flame this is kind of like that same vein of just a an emotional song that does have you know that go then it goes into that mid-tempo uh shit but i just love the way this song is and i love the beginning with the you know the televangelist you know asking for money and to me it sounds like i've always got this impression in the beginning of the song it almost sounds like the guy's like putting bullets in a gun that's what I get out of it. I don't yeah, know. He is. Yeah, he is, huh? That's how I feel, you know. And like for the longest time, I thought it was like him, like about to commit suicide. But then, you know, I mean, the more I listen to it, and then video Minecraft, he shoots the TV. Yeah. Because he's anti-religion, I guess, you know. But oh my God, I love the mission. That's what I gotta say about this. All right, Mike. Well, I mean, musically, I, I, I'll try to do it, like, succinctly, so that way it's not super long, but, like, I'll, musically, it's one of, there's, like, three songs this album, and this is one of them that are up there for my favorite, Chris Sagarmo, um, a masterpiece. I think that guy was such a fantastic songwriter. The 12-string acoustic in the beginning, and then the way Eddie Jackson and Scott just dominate in that pocket, that middle section, I mean, is there almost anything better than the way those guys is lay that groove down 
Uh, yeah, what in? I love the beginning too, like what Ralph was talking about. Because why Nikki's up pissed is because he's looking, he's like getting ready to go and kill someone. He's loading, you know, his gun up, and he's looking at Father William on the TV. Like they explain, like it's Father William, and he has all this disdain for him because of the way he treats Nick, uh, uh, Mary. Because even he gets a piece of Mary. You know, it's described as friendly disease weekly. So I mean. Easily, uh, yeah, he takes stand her out. on the altar like a sacrifice. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, this is again when I first heard this song too. It just I I never knew music could be like so cinematic is the word I keep coming back to. But it just it, the line about all the people he's killed. Like he lights a candle for each person he's killed. You know, each one a story, but they end the same. His room is just filled with candles and writing on his walls like a lunatic. This is, for me, where the album starts to get dark. You can see there's a definite change from hope and revolution and I'm going to change my life to wallowing and just utter despair. And I think it's brilliant for it. Yeah, well, boy, you summed that up pretty good. Uh, And I love this. And I don't know if I would call it, like, necessarily a ballad, but definitely a moodier piece. And uh, it's perfect without, you know, it doesn't get uh, sappy. But, yeah, you do feel a a change in the tone. And kind of you see Nicky all over the place because he's kind of like, you know, talk, you know, he's feeling love for Mary. He's also feeling disdain for her at the same time. And, uh, you know, and then, then the mission's getting crazier. But at the same time, he's like, you know, my mission changed the world and the underground will rise. You know, like, you know, this is fucked up, but I'm doing something really important, but all this shit's going on, but I'm going to be part of history, you know? Um, so it just shows you, like, he's he, mentally, he's starting to, to lose it, being pulled in a lot of different directions. And, uh, and, and music is just perfect. Great track. And, and that in side one, and what a fucking side one. Holy shit. I mean, not, nothing wasted there. But then we'll flip this bitch over to side two, and why don't you take the next one, Mike? The epic Sister Mary Sweet. Yes, uh, this one is up there with one of the three favorites on the album. I remember first, when my dad actually first put this on a tape, he didn't put this song on because he couldn't fit it on, so I had to go get a CD. I remember just sitting there with the lyrics. Like, I wish I was young again where I can just sit and read lyrics and listen to music all day. Kind of miss that. But I remember reading these lyrics and just like, this song, it's just incredible. Like, this is the glue between side one and side two. Uh, You have that perfect intro with dr x with those power windows you can hear him unrolling him and rolling him from the 80s like my grandmother had a car like that and every time she rolled down the window i'm like who am i gonna kill uh it's just it's a perfect song the story is great in this part where you know he's he real like you said ian dr x is like you know i think i might have screwed this up with this guy here uh putting him and mary together doesn't trust a priest because who does right um sends him to go take care of both of them the jeff tate's lyrics are so amazing on this album it almost makes me cry to think of what he did with himself especially after chris left like it's such a shame that what happened to this band 
uh, you know, post Tablatory coming in or whatever. But but the line about the brilliant lyric about like the priest is cold and dead on his knees he fed from my barrel of death he turned the holy water red. That's probably the best metal lyric of all time. I don't know if you can top it. Um, the Gregorian chants, the choir, everything is perfect about the song. It's a, it's well, a you long. You never song. heard, you never heard play dirty. <laughs> She's got pizzazz <laughs> like a razzmatazz, dude. <laughs> dude. are we gonna bring up that? Cause that episode made me lose my shit. I love that one. Take by it the outside. Way. Take it my outside. favorite line was you, Ralph, going when the father goes. Turn that shit off. And you're like, I wish you would have said that before the first song started. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the anthem. Well, I would put Cry Tough as a second close to Sweet Sister Mary as far as lyrical content. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, for me, it's a near-perfect song. I can't listen. To, if I'm going to listen to this, like, album, if I get three songs in, I got to hear Sweet Sister Mary because it just, it, it's such an amazing track. Um, I'm don't know really have a lot more else to say about it just it's a and just jeff tate's lyrics are amazing on this uh i absolutely love it i mean it it is the epic i mean i think there's there's another song on here that that's that's close um you know that i'll consider an epic as well i mean hell the whole album's an epic uh but this is i mean really a work of art and one thing I'm surprised you didn't bring up is is how awesome Pamela Moore is on this song. Oh and, yeah, and that's something that could have been fucked up real easily, and it could have been turned into like some cheesy fucking meatloaf song, <laughs> you know, uh, with the chick. But this this chick comes in, and not only an amazing fucking voice, but I, I mean walks walks that line that keeps you interested in the story. And, and it's not like overacted or oversang. It's just everything fits perfect in this. And uh, and I, you know I loved when I saw them in 2005 when they did this, and they had Pamela Moore with them. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, that was awesome. You know. Ian, I saw them in a club. Oh, I, I, in I, I upstate I, New York. Yeah. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I saw it at a House of Blues in Orlando. Uh, yeah, I still got the shirt, and I think that was my first time seeing Queensryche, actually. Uh, uh, real quick, Ian, like, to your point about Pamela Moore, like, her voice is great, but it's also got this, like, weathered quality that makes it sound real. Like, it's not like Doro, which, I mean, it's fine if you, I'm not saying she's a bad singer, but she's got so much character and, like, soul in her voice, and oh, yeah. you really believe she's married. Like, she sounds oh, yeah. like a beaten woman. Well, well, and I, I think that was the wise choice is, you know, don't get like a female, you know, vocalist to do it because that's not who Mary is. You know, it's not, you know, don't come out there like, you know, you're the chick from Vixen or something, you know, just get... Yeah, she's not Lita Ford. She's not right, a tough girl. Right, right, exactly. And I think, you know, that was the smart choice that keeps it from almost becoming, like I said, a meatloaf song. You know, where you got the chicks chiming in, you know, where it's funny or it's quirky or something like that. It, it just, it flows perfect. The chick has serious chops and, you know, it it doesn't try to be a like a like a metal chick. Just sings it in an angelic fucking voice and, uh, uh, yeah, I love it. What do you think, Ralph? 
Oh my god, what an epic. And yeah, being the young metalhead, this was my least favorite. But no, man, there ain't no... I'm sorry, I can't even pick a least favorite. Well, actually I can, and I'll get to it, but it's definitely not this. But I will say this, this is one thing I'll say about the song that I found odd. Uh, when I finally opened up that vinyl, and I put it on the turntable, it sounded weird to have Side 2 open with it. I was always under the impression the Needle Lies started Side 2. But, it did on the cassette version, because I, oh, I had the, cause I had the cassette I did, as a I, kid. You know what? I think I did too. That's probably why it was weird. You know, I remember that because you used to annoy the shit out of me when I would get done with Eyes of a Stranger, and if I flipped it over, it would be in the middle of like Operation Minecraft. I have to rewind it. <laughs> oh, yeah, because side one was so long. Yeah. yeah with... You know what? You're right. I did have this on cassette. That's why it sounded weird. I did have this shit on cassette when I was a kid. Um, well, not a kid. I was already in my 40s. But anyway, so... I was, I was a kid. I was a kid with a cassette. I was like 15. <laughs> shit. How old was I in 88? I was like 20... 23, I think. I was right? Four, yeah, 65? yeah. I was 14. Yeah, I was 6. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was dating people like you at that time. Well, your age. Your age. You know, not, not guys. Come on, that's wrong. Alright, so, um... Yeah... Oh my god, yeah, and this is another, it was a grower, uh, honestly, because, you know, I was metal, 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 but I did not hate it. I never, ever skipped a song on uh, Operation Mindcrime. It was a whole, it was a piece of art to me, you know, it was like, and I loved it, but the thing that I love so much about Sister Mary is to also, um, the gospel type, uh, choir type thing, it sounds so fucking evil to me. You know, and I know it's not supposed to be, but it makes it, it adds this element of darkness. And, you know, it, it does sound kind of like the choir is like, you know, it gives me that that vibe of the omen, you know, like the omen theme. You guys right. remember the omen? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Remember how the omen was like, you know, it was eerie, but it still was that kind of church choir type shit. Yeah, but they were like, like, Satana. Like that stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I get out of it, even though they're not doing that. And it really does set the scene, and and yeah, and I love the the car driving up in the beginning. Again, uh, that's something I love so much about this fucking album is like the, when they when they you know when they take the time to add a little sound effect bullshit. And, and if it's you the home run, the home run, every little yeah. thing they do with it. I think, and I can't remember, Mike, if you saw it, I think it's in Building Empire. They talk about how they, they they recorded that. They did record that outside or something. Did you ever see that? I've heard I, about it. I didn't I see. I yeah. had the Building Empire's VHS. Maybe it was Building Empire's or maybe it was, I don't know, something else. But they talked about the actual recording of that car driving up with the window and something funny happened. Now I can't remember what it was. But wow, a long fucking song. The longest song. What is this, like nine minutes or something? Yeah, it's over It's over Almost 10 11. Minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's pretty much, uh, I wouldn't, you know, and it's it's wild because as long as it is, I don't really consider it the epic on the album. I don't even think this album has an epic. I think as a whole, it's an epic. It's just yeah. another block, you know what I mean? I, I can see where you're coming from because story-wise, it's kind of like the glue between... Act one and act two, almost. I guess you yeah, could say, right. like it's the it's the crucible, it's the turning point in the whole story, really. 
And I do um, think I do think uh, the cassette had it right. You know, I agree. Because, because but the problem is vinyl because of the grooves. You can't fit like Mother Mary on side one because then it would sound shitty. Right. The vinyl is so I think the vinyl is kind of a. They, man, you know it'd be cool if they released this shit on 180 gram two vinyls. They, they 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 did put out a version of that. 180. Oh, really? oh yeah, and I I think it's it's on uh, it's on colored vinyl too. Oh man, it's all yeah. I saw it on Discogs. Oh, get it for me right now, Ian. <laughs> hey, can you grab me one too? Can, can, well, can, can you get us both one, please? Yeah, no, it, no, you, you're gonna pay for it, but they have. No, oh, fuck you, dude! You cheap motherfucker. <laughs> no, I, I mean cheap. It, it is expensive, but uh, uh. No, I, 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 I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna have to. Yeah, yep. yeah, I'm I, with you on that. I'm gonna have to, man. I work too much fucking overtime, and if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, they ain't gonna put my check in my coffin. I gotta get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, and also, could I just add one more thing about this song, real quick? That I no, forgot. It, no, what? Go ahead. <laughs> what the old lady home? <laughs> yes. Yes. No, in the middle part when like Nikki is with Mary, and you hear that, and like I remember reading in the live crime booklet, it's like that's when Nikki was, you know, having sex with Mary. She realized he was just like everyone else, and that's when Nikki was like, "I gotta change. I gotta kill Doc." It was like this weird turning point that was subliminal in the actual album, but in the live crime booklet, it kind—they of, really explain that story very well in that booklet for like all the like the missing pieces. But I thought that was a cool sound effect. It was like the original. Well, I guess Rocket Queen came out before it, but this is a better song. So, yeah, Rocket Queen's kind of overrated. I love it, but it's overrated. It's no Sister Mary. Hell no. All right, Ian, why don't you flip this cassette over? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm flipping Remember that. that clank it would make? Clink, clink? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to stick a pencil in and fix this tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put a little... Put, put a, uh, you're going to get a little glue. That little cushion thing fell out. Yeah. Oh, God, I hated that shit. <laughs> I used to use super glue. That would work good <laughs> for like a month. But uh, we flip this over and then we go into the needle lies. Uh, love this one. Up tempo, almost little power metal, metalish. Uh, and and this is where he's starting to realize, you know, you know, story wise that he needs to get away from uh, from Mister X, realizing that you know the drugs have got him all fucked up, and uh, you know that maybe everything's not, you, you know. That Dr. X is just another part of the problem and not the cure. And, uh, man, uh, I love this one. I, 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 unrelenting metal. Absolutely awesome track. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I concur. I think it's kind of like Queensryche's attempt at a thrash song. It's like their most thrashiest song probably ever. Uh... The drums are great. The guitar. Oh my god, that lead guitar riff that Chris comes in—it almost like pierces your ears because of the the digital how they recorded on that searing like. Uh, but yeah, story-wise, like in the beginning there, when you're hearing him talk to Doctor X, like I guess it's Nikki saying he wants out, but Doctor X is like, you know, you're not gonna walk away now. And basically, that whole song is Nikki dealing with himself, like feeling like a beaten man. And uh, Ralph, I think last week when we were about to do this, was posting the lyrics of this song on Facebook. And oh, did I? Yeah, like 
the lyrics where he's like wet and raving the needles call me back he's carving words into his arms it, like he's literally running yeah. through the streets carving into his arms to try to keep himself sane like uh, Jeff Tate at this point was like a genius I don't know how this came to him but as much of a douche as he is now and he looks like what Bert from Bert and Ernie like that <laughs> whole meme was out there yeah he it, it's kind of sad because he was such a chill dude back in the day it seems and yeah and I I met him in 95. This is already uh, here now, Frontier. Nicest guy out of all of them. DeGarmo was kind of a dick. Oh, really? Hate the Everyone story. said he looked like Jamie Lee Curtis, like a male version of that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, yeah, when I, when I met him, he was he was cool, but I offended him. But then I told a joke, and, and he got over it. So I thought that because... Uh, yeah, what was it again? Uh, I remember you told me that joke. Well, he, I mean, yeah, he, he did on one of the podcasts, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he just put out that... Uh, uh, frequency unknown that he could, like his version of Queen's Reich and and, right. and the funny thing he, he was playing all of mind crime and, and I wore a shirt from the club uh, that that it was at so I think they thought I was a bouncer and I just walked back to where the meet and greet was I didn't pay shit I was wasted and talking to him and I was thinking about that today I can't find pictures of me with Rudy Sarzo he signed my uh, my metal health and I met Brian Tishy and uh and and uh, Garmo, I mean not Degarmo, uh Jeff signed no. my mind crime, but uh, I, I was telling him uh, he asked me if I heard the new album. I was like, yeah, yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I, 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 he's like, what do you think? And I was like, well, I'm like, it doesn't sound like like Queensrÿche. He goes, oh, well, he goes, well, what does Queensrÿche sound like? I go. Operation Minecraft, <laughs> the, the warning, uh. rage, rage for order. And, 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 All the stuff he hates. And, 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 and he just kind of looked at me. I go, hey, why don't we take this picture before I piss you off? And he laughed at that. <laughs> that and, was it. Yeah, and, was and, it. And, uh, and, but, but he was cool, though. He, he was cool. You know, Sarzo was really uh, awesome. I'd like to say something about Jeff when I met him. Uh, this is a real quick story. You know, we I talked to him for a while. I, was see, I met a girl in New York. Who was a huge Queensryche fan. This is back in the day. Fuck VIP. You were part of the fan club you got backstage. So she was part of the fan club. So I got backstage and I brought so much shit for them to sign. I had, and when I gave him my race for order, he, he, he made the comment. He goes, oh man, you got the marble background. This is very rare. Yeah. Because they made, they changed it to black real soon after because I think they couldn't see the lettering right or something. And I told him, yeah, well, I bought that the day it came out, you know, because I'm a big fan. And then I kept giving him stuff, and then I handed him a bootleg CD. Uh, this It's an Empire live show. It has all of Minecraft and Rose Madness. It's an audience recording. It doesn't really sound like it. But the cover of it, it's just him. So he sees this, and he's like, what is this? And I go, oh, it's some bootleg CD I bought. He goes, all right, and he signed it. Well, I'm, dude, literally, like a month or two later, I read an interview with him in a magazine saying, I refuse to sign bootlegs, <laughs> and, and, and it's wild. He signed it, I, and but Chris DeGarmo wouldn't sign it. He said, "I'm not signing that." Whoa! And, but yeah, he was kind of a dick to me because of that. that. That bootleg just pissed him off. He was quiet and all. But Eddie Jackson was, you know, I, Eddie Jackson. If you're not aware of this, is a major douche. Go on Metal Sludge and look at that because. You know how Metal Sludge is when they ask what? The Metal Sludge is pretty much dead now. But back in the day when they were happening, 
you know, the ask, asinine questions, that guy just did not get the joke. Really? Yeah, Michael Walton was pretty cool, and uh, Rock and Field didn't even come out to meet and greet. So I never got to meet him. Though, and this sucks, uh, I'm sorry to get off topic. No. When they last when they last played here, uh, I took my Rage for Order album to get Scott Rockerfield signed because he's the only one left not to sign. So I took that album and I also took the last one. Uh, what was the last one called? I love that album. Human Condition. Here the now. Oh, what's it called? Human Condition. Oh my God, what a great album! My favorite song on there is that "You and Me" that mellow one. Anyway, so I took both those albums to get signed. I didn't meet him, but I went up to the bus and I said to the guy. Hey, you know, because he was going to take, I go, can you get Scott signed? He's like, no, Scott's already in bed. I said, all right. So I just gave him my human condition for the band to sign. He came back out. The human condition was Scott was signed by Scott, too. Oh, I was pissed, dude. I was like, oh, fuck. You know, and, and I just didn't feel like telling the guy to go back in. And I was like, fucking A, man. So, but anyway, that's my story. I'm well, sorry. You, you think you're pissed now. Uh, they no longer have any copies of the, the two vinyl set of this. Not, eBay. Not, 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 well, I looked on Discogs, and, and it was a, uh, a U.K. company that did it. I looked on Amazon U.K. They don't have it. American Amazon doesn't have it. So as of right now, I can't find that for you. Can you do me a favor and just write fuck you to whoever had it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't mention me. I, I do know that it was on there a month ago because they had a copy. I think it was like they wanted 140 for it. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't pay that much. And, and I'm the type of guy, I don't care. I'll pay top dollar for sure. But yeah. that's a little too Well, it's, it's, there, there's a, uh, it, uh, a company called Back on Vinyl. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a lot of their shit. Yeah, they're the ones who did it. Oh, that, and that's good shit. That, yeah, that, the, that's yeah. quality shit right there. Yeah, yeah. They, I have a couple of those. There's two. Yeah. And back on black is awesome too. Yeah. You ever, see, you ever got any of those back on black vinyl? Yeah, that, that that's what this was. Uh, I thought that's what it was. Oh, back on black. Yeah. No, there's the what was it? What you said before? Back on vinyl. Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Back on black. No, no, there is a back oh. on vinyl too. Oh okay. Actually yeah, the, the what I meant was back on black. I think I just, the Sabbath, the Rhinos called Back on Vinyl. I, I don't know. Or whatever. I just checked eBay. They got it. Like the 180. I All mean, right, a decent price. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll trade you my Thrasher Die sign CD. What, what do they want for it on eBay? Uh, there's a difference. Like, you can get but in like the $30 range. Like, nothing too crazy. 25 oh, 30 is, is it, Can you get me the most expensive one? Is it, yes. Is it used or new? Some of them are saying new, new, new. So I think you got a lot of like uh, wholesalers on there. Maybe that's what it is. Awesome, dude. Buy me one or I ain't going to sign that CD. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sign it, fuck you. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that would be funny. Yeah, I'll sign it, Ian. <laughs> Needle Lies. Uh, one thing that I forgot to mention this whole time is I saw this tour twice. Open for Metallica. Injustice uh, for All Tour, Miami and West Palm Beach. And believe it or not, you'd think, you know, Metallica, they wouldn't survive, you know, opening for Metallica. But when when the Queen's Right came out, they opened with Queen of the Reich, okay? And just by opening with that song, the pit erupted. And I can't, I can't tell you the set list, but when they played Needle Eyes, the pit erupted again. And... 
You got to remember Metallica fans in 1988, 89. Those are motherfuckers that were fucking metal fans. They didn't give a fuck about MTV, obviously. I mean, the one video just came out, but um, people were into Queensryche, dude. These thrash fans were into it. And they did a set list that was only the heavy shit. Like, I remember they played Night Rider, they played, uh, of course, Revolution Calling, and, and, but they just kept it heavy. They didn't do Mission or nothing like that. This song is the third one, I gotta say. Three Way Tie. I love Blue Eyes. This is a song that that was like, you know, my second favorite back then, but I don't know if it's better than Spreading the Disease. I mean, uh, uh, as good, I think it's that's good. And uh, it's just a ripping tune, man. And I love it. And I love, uh, like Mike said, I posted the lyrics the other day. And now that you mentioned it, yeah, I remember uh, Amaze what was written on the wall. Don't ever trust a needle, it lies. It's so good, man. It's such a great fucking song. And I guess, you know, me pretending I know the storyline, this is where he finally realizes, hey, man, this ain't cool. Uh, heroin's turning on me. Right. I don't know. And, and, and Dr. X as well. Yeah, of course, because you can't walk away now. Because he's already in too deep, and, you know, he's had enough, and he wants out. I mean, that's so cool. And I love that. That's another thing I love is the way it's so fucked up how it starts. Like, it's like you're fucked. And then it goes into this really heavy song about addiction and, and how he's, like, crawling through alleys. Or, and it's just, it, it really does paint a fucking killer, dark, fucking picture and i love the fuck out of this song what's next next is the instrumental interlude electric requiem yeah uh beautiful very mellow but uh great instrumental and uh you know it's kind of like you know you get this real fast shit and then it goes into this really dark instrumental we're kind of like isn't this the one where you hear rain and stuff I don't know. Maybe not. No. no. That's coming up, right? Yeah. yeah wait, wait. Well, no, no. That's in Sweet Sister Mary's, really, where you only hear the rain, I thought. Oh, I thought this had, like, a kind of, like, an, an eerie effect of rain. He opens rain. the door to the church, and he calls for Mary. And oh, he realizes yeah, she's, yeah. she's that's dead. He sees yeah. her dead. Yeah. Yes, yeah, correct. He walks in, yeah. he's like, Mary? Yeah. That's the one, right? And then the door yeah. creaks oh. and slams. Oh, you yeah. see, I wasn't, I, what the instrumental I was thinking of was the one before uh, Eyes of the Stranger. Well, the song, I know Eyes of the Stranger, don't leave me, right? Is that the one before Eyes of the no, Stranger? No, that's the one we're on right now. Yeah. Where he sees oh, Mary dead. It's got like that kind of oh, haunting lap steel guitar. Oh, even in death, you've seen so sad. Right? Yeah. That? Yeah, it's yeah. very morose. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's very dark. And uh, and my review is as short as the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I love it. I think it, it's one of those... Uh, you know, it's a short interlude, but it does serve a purpose. You know, where's Mary? Oh, she dead. <laughs> you know, you know, you find out. You know, yeah. At, le at least it's not it's not an instrumental with with nothing uh, to add. You know, because you do have you know vocal accompaniment to the story that keeps it moving and leads into the next song. That's why I think it works perfectly. Uh, 
Again, it, it serves a purpose. Therefore, it is necessary. I love it. What do you think, Mike? Uh, agree. Yeah, it is probably my favorite of the... Oh, that's tough, though. Even if you're talking about, like, non-main songs, Segway songs this is probably my favorite because it's just so bleak. It's so dark. And it's vital to the story. Like, this is where Nikki finds Mary, and this uh, is going to set him on a trail. Like, and that lap steel guitar Chris Sagarma does, where he's just pedal toning that chugga, 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 chugga underneath it. it. It's so haunting with the leads. And interestingly enough, this was written by Scott Rockefield and Jeff Tate, because Scott used to do like a lot of like sound effect and soundtracky type stuff with him. Right. And, uh, and his drum, it sounds simple, the drum beat, because it's a very straightforward one-minute song. But he's throwing some complicated, odd-time drum fills or drum patterns over the that haunting lead guitar work. Uh, I don't know. It's I, For a one-minute song, Like I love it as much as almost all the other songs on this album. You can't have this album without that song, I feel. Nice. All right, well, why don't you take the next song? You didn't uh, take that one, Ian? What's that? Yeah, he, he just yeah. did it. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so we go into Breaking the Silence. Yes, sir. And this is after Nikki finds Mary dead. He doesn't know who's killed her. He just goes through. It's He's breaking the silence of the night. He's screaming through the streets in the rain. Uh, again, Jeff Tate's lyrics uh, unmatched in this song as well. His vocals, incredible. He hits those high notes like he's not even trying. Musically, it's I guess you could say this one would be more straightforward and potentially more accessible. Uh, but it's got great dual guitar work in it. One of my favorites, it's a standout track. And again, just you're seeing the vibe of this. Even musically, like the music matches the lyrics perfectly. Like it's upbeat enough where it's not like a funeral dirge but you can hear like there's a lot of melancholy there's a lot of minor chords and uh themes in this music and it's just uh one of my favorite songs on the album not top three but it's a uh, the second half of the sound was the garmo and tate together writing it's pretty perfect to me yeah uh we're definitely gonna have to have you back because you you are my doppelganger <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, I like this guy, man. You're, you're very detailed. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I, it's probably nerdy for most people. No, but no, I no. Just, but I, I like love it. this. That's, that's why I like Jacob Wood a lot. You're, you're reminding me a lot of Jacob Wood. Yeah, and it'll be handy to have on the show when I go back to drinking, so I don't have to. Yeah, definitely, shit. definitely. Because I, you know, and I can be sober, but you know, I am an idiot. So I'm but, dumb as fuck. So we'll need some kind of like. You know, and I'll somebody, never say. A song kicks recon ass either. So. <laughs> Hoo-yah! Hoo-yah! <laughs> I'll be done in a minute, Dan. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I, this is a great melodic rocker. Uh, you know, just story-wise, you know, he's just running the streets, you know, disillusioned uh, with everything that's going on, trying to comprehend, realizing, man, this all went to shit real fucking quick. Um... But this is the one that, like, if I had to pick a, a least favorite, it would be this. But I still love the song. But, like, you know, gun to my head, I had to pick one. And I think what it is uh, with this is... Now, this one really sounds like it could be 
It could have been on Empire. It could have been on Rage. You know, there's just something different about it. It's a good song. But to me, this sounds like where everything else on this album sounds like nothing I've ever heard. You know, this one sounds, you know, like it could have been on another album. Maybe not as uh, musically, not as necessary as the other ones. But I, I mean, I hate even saying that because I love the song. But if I had to pick a least, uh, this would be my least. But I, it's still fucking awesome. What do you think, Ralph? Chalk this up as a first ever. Uh, I totally agree with you. And I never, I, I don't think we've ever had a song where it was our least favorite we agreed. Right. And, that is weird. And I, and I also uh, mirror everything you just said. It's a great song. It's an awesome song. And you were saying how, you know, it's not like the rest of the album. Like, it's not, you know, it sounds like it could be on a, uh, another album. And something that Mike said where I don't identify with is that I don't really feel like this song uh, matches the lyrics because I feel almost like it's a happy song. Uh, like the upbeat and doesn't really match the lyrics, but I overlooked that because it is a fucking great song. I think it's a really well done song. It's something that I love listening to. Uh, when I listen to this album, it's not like, oh man, yeah, here's my least favorite. I don't really look at it that way, but yeah, Ian talking about it now, it made me realize, yeah, you know what? If I did have to pick one, you know, I'd have to pick this, but that's the sign of a great album, you know, where your least favorite song is a great song. And I do feel like it's a great song, but yeah, I mean, Ian like opened my eyes to this shit. It really doesn't have that same flow, but yet it still fits perfectly, but it's kind of, would you guys agree the happiest sounding song on the oh, album? Oh, in a, yeah, definitely in the a way. guitar wise. Yes, uh, I think where where I'm coming from as far as the music matching the lyrics to me is in the verses when it's just like Chris like that gun 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 riff and he's letting it ring out. It just he's letting Jeff just sit there and Jeff gives a great performance vocally. I feel and then I don't know. I just feel like the song, even though it's upbeat and it's a little bit more up tempo, I feel it feels a little manic based on the, you know, like, in contrast to the lyrical content, like, I think, I don't know, it's just how I interpret it. I could be wrong. Obviously, I like Seventh Son of a Seventh Song, so I'm an idiot. So, I don't know, you know, it, but I, I get where you guys are saying. It's, I, I, that's why I said it. I feel it's a little bit accessible. Like, it could have, I think it would, could, could have been a great radio single, to be honest. Yeah, it is, like, the most uh, radio-friendly song. Yeah, you know, because I could see, like, people who, like, dock it liking this and, and I'm not I'm not trying to slam either band but I'm just saying it kind of has that more you know mid to late 80s feel to it yeah. musically you know and I was into docking before I got it I mean not that I mean I still love albums like Tooth and Nail and stuff like that so like that was like you know I was into that at that time and I was like oh yeah this is like a song but like it, it deeper it's a, it's a heavier song musically and lyrically than anything docking did but yeah, no, it's it's a good bridge, you know what I mean? From going from that to the right. rest of the stuff on this album. I would like to also say, if you watch the video, you know where the part of the video goes, haunting my every move, you know that part of the video? Yes. Uh, Jeff Tate does this little, like, hip swirl thing. And 
one thing I haven't met, mentioned this whole thing. Jeff Tate really does disturb me live, even in the early days. <laughs> if you look, if you look at like live in Tokyo, the way he acts on stage, it's like, it's like he's like so, trying so hard to be a rock star. You know what I mean? He looks like he was in Duran Duran in that video, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, he had that also, short do, a yeah, little bit. It's just the way he runs around stage, and it just seems like he's a tryhard. An amazing singer. I, I love Jeff Tate. Don't get me wrong. I just think he's a great singer. But live, he's almost like a try. I don't think he's that way anymore because he's matured and shit. But back in the day, like, didn't you guys think he was like, uh, trying well, way too I, hard? I had on this yeah, tour. Yeah, he, he still Sorry. overacts. I mean, I mean like Duran, Duran yeah. more like Duran the Duh. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but the, the difference between Jeff Tate back then and now is that, you know, he doesn't look, you know, so pretty anymore. So he's not running around strutting his shit like a peacock, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought he had the last couple times I've seen him. I mean, well, you know what? In, in your defense, I haven't seen Jeff Tate since uh, here in Now Frontier. Oh, I think wow. That's, let me think about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I haven't oh, seen yes. Jeff Tate live. Let me think. Yeah, I, I could be. No, I think that's the last time I saw him live. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I've yeah. seen him a few times, obviously since then. But uh, I, yeah, he kind of, especially the mind crime stuff. He treats it almost like I think like a musical performance where you know it's something you would see on Broadway where he's right. acting too. Well, well actually, I, that's not true. Now I remember. I saw them open for Priest and for Black Sabbath. Yeah, we we, we were at that same show. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. They were so so forgettable. I forgot I saw. Yeah. Them two that, more that, times that's when uh, that was around the time the covers album came out. Yeah. That they played uh, "Welcome to the Machine" and Jeff Tate brought out a saxophone. Saxophone. Yeah. That, that's not good for me. Yeah. <laughs> but but man, was Alice Cooper great that night? So Alice was, Cooper so, was amazing. So was Heaven and Hell. Oh, of course, of course. That was just fucking flawless show. I saw no, Megadeth you know, with Heaven and Hell. It was great. <laughs> Uh, Queensrack, oh yeah, I did too in California. When it, the first tour, the deal years. Yes. I saw, yeah, yeah. I actually went to LA Forum to see that. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. I just was talking. He's a little too flamboyant and too large, you know. All right. Well, now we got you know one of the probably the best known song off the album for you know people who don't even you know know Queensrack that well or like Queensrack. I don't believe in love. What do you believe about this song, Mike? Uh, I love this song. It's definitely catchy. Uh, it works like when I was young. It worked on two levels. Like it works well within the album. And again, I love the guitar work. Like all the the singing guitars, basically, with Chris and Mike. Uh, but like you know, when you're young and you break up with a girl, it's a good song for that, I guess. When you're feeling kind of gay, but. Um, other than that, I mean, lyrically, it's a great song. Really, like, Nikki is just a shell. Like, if you go from, like, speak to this song, you're like, this guy is a mess. And his whole world's uh, a mess. He gets caught by the cops because, again, he's just screaming like a lunatic. He keeps going back to the scene of the murder. Uh, it's a great song for the story. Overall, I really in enjoy the song. Um, really, that's all I gotta say about it. It, it, it. Again, this would have been a great. I think it was a single, if I'm not mistaken, yes. but it didn't yeah, really. Do, it was, but, it, yeah. but it didn't really do anything. I don't think. Oh, Which is yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, that's right, because it did come after Eyes of a Stranger. You're yeah. right. Yeah. 
But like it to me like this song should have been even bigger because I felt it was more accessible than Eyes of a Stranger, you know what I mean? To me, but um I I love the song. Definitely uh anytime I hear it, especially if I see them do it live, it always sounds great and that's all I really gotta say about that one. Ralph? Yeah, um to me it's 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 like I was just saying, now it just it dawned on me. It's pretty much the same vibe of breaking the silence too. It's kinda happy. Uh, sounding musically, but I like this way more. Uh, well, a little bit more. I mean, I love all the songs on the album. But uh, I think what carries the song is really the vocals, too, a lot. You know, like, can't hold back from the waste of time. That whole part is just... I guess this is like the only musical um, light of the tunnel, even though it's still dark. Uh, lyrically, but musically, I think it's uh, in the vein of uh, breaking the silence. This is where I, it got. This is the most accessible song. These two songs on the whole album. Uh, I don't feel anything dark about it. I don't get that dark vibe, but I still love it. I think it's a great song. Not as good as Ian's version, but it's still a good. Song. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> oh, so you have not you've not heard that yet? Huh? No, I heard you guys talk about it on the podcast, and I already paid for this. So you want like, oh. you want me to, you want me to fucking add that to this episode? Oh oh yes. oh oh! We are added. I've always said we were gonna add it. Well, send me it. I don't have it. Anymore. Yeah, oh, I yeah. sent Ian a message through Facebook. I'm like, yo, I, was, I forgot what episode it was on. You, Ian's talking about. It. I'm like, uh, by the way, when we do Operation Mindcrime, you better put your cover on that episode. Uh, when we're getting ready to post this episode, there is a video for this song. <laughs> for for, for uh, my my old band Blood Sausage uh, rendition of it, and it, it's it's hilarious. I mean, it's nothing compared to what Ralph did, but it's the best that my buddy could do on a computer back in like 2000. <laughs> well, I can I can't wait to see this shit. Oh oh, you, you'll it, it's so bad. It, it, it's great, but uh, all right, cool. And also, real quick about what's missed, you know, about DeGarmo as a songwriter. He was an amazing vocalist, too, in his own right. I felt like he really helped oh, yeah. Jeff live. And I, when I've seen him without it, it's just it's – and Eddie's great. But Eddie and Chris together were a great – I mean, you could put him up with Michael Anthony. I thought they were that great as far as backup singers, like, who could really sing. So it's kind of disappointing when you do hear it now. You don't hear – like, because those – like in this song is one of those songs where Chris, Eddie, and Jeff would just shine together, especially live. Like it'd be amazing. Has the Garmel done anything after? Queen He's Brothers? done something with his daughter, some acoustic stuff. Yeah, like and he he joined. He had like a side project that uh, they got together, but they broke up like two weeks later. He he actually was going to get back together with Queensrÿche on the Tribe yeah. era, but he I mean not to totally diverge, but like. He, him and Jeff started having an issue in uh, Promised Land where Jeff started to change. Like, I read a lot of the deposition stuff from when the, the Queensryche split happened. And same thing happened in Tribe. Like, Chris was going to come back as a full member. They were going to work around a schedule. And then him, Jeff was just, like, at that point, you know, the, the dictator, I guess, in that point. And Chris is like, I'll just write a few songs. I don't want to deal. You know, he didn't want to deal with it. So Jeff became a very different person, they said, after Empire. Wow. Yeah. 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 And you can tell, like, the way he is on straight, you know, you can tell that guy's cocky as fuck. Dude, and if that's all in, like, uh, depositions you can read on the internet from the whole Queensryche split. Yeah. See, I I didn't read those, but I did notice, uh, you know, I I was going on Wikipedia, you know, and sometimes you'll see shit changes, you know, shit will get taken off. 
And I always knew that, you know, of course, he came back and helped those couple songs with Try, but it, back then it was never discussed in, you know, in the magazines or online, really what kept him from coming back. And, and now that those depositions have come out, they even changed on Wikipedia that it was an issue between Jeff and uh, Chris because uh, before that, Jeff always made it sound in the press that he was on great terms, uh, that he was on great terms with Chris, and that Chris just wasn't, you know, just wanted to stay flying planes and yeah. do that. Because, I mean, he, he, he made a good living as a pilot. Uh, and he likes being with his family and stuff like that. I get it. Right, but it was just, it was putting up with, with Tate's shit, and I imagine that it was only eclipsed in the time that he was gone. You know? Yeah. Cause, cause Chris says now he can be friends with Jeff outside of the band stuff right. but um and chris always seemed like an introvert to me in a way like he i don't know like he just had that vibe like he wasn't totally comfortable with fame like you could see it in his lyrics in promised land and also like i watched the making of that album promised land like jeff would go by himself in a cabin and not want to deal with anybody like they the four of them would be writing and jeff would do his own thing and just go this is what i want you guys to do so i think that's where the beginning of it i think it was the the empire success i mean unfortunately that stuff affects people differently which is a shame because jeff seemed like a pretty chill i mean i'm not saying he's not a chill dude but he seemed like ultra chill pre-empire and all that stuff i'm not sure what dvd i own it may be the building empires where there's an extra where it's jeff and chris talking about videos and this is long after you left the band Oh, I, I, I know what you're talking about. There are they in a studio? Yeah, yeah. That was during the tribe time. It was it was for some like European music channel. I have seen that on YouTube. Okay, uh, they maybe don't, that's where I saw it. But see, they never brought that up in the press until like this all came out in the deposition that Chris was gonna come back for tribe. He was gonna work around his schedule because his daughter was a little bit older and all that stuff. And then he just he it was reminding him of when Tate started kind of getting like i guess like one time he walked in a control room during the promised land and just screamed at chris like f you this is not how this should sound and and everyone's like what is going on with this guy and that's kind of what happened during the tribe uh, sessions from what i read and, and, and what a horrible record that is oh it's got like four songs i like and the rest of it, it's just it's just mediocre like it's not queen's right queen's right was stellar songwriting i felt even if you didn't even if it wasn't super heavy i felt like the songs always could stand out on their own even if they were mellow i thought they just wrote great songs and this was just like middle of the road right. aor yeah man, man, it is. i actually i actually like the last two the albums more than empire even though both of them are very spotty i hear you mm. all right well i don't believe in love uh man i i love this one and and you know for, you know ralph and i can attest that this is really what broke the album i mean aside from like just queensryche fans because when this video came out now this got played all over the place and even you know attracted people who might not listen to that shit i mean not as much as like silent lucidity did but uh but it definitely you know you start hearing more and more about this band i i love it uh I, I mean, and, and you never know that by hearing my rendition of it. <laughs> I do love this song, and uh, oh boy, they, they just—they couldn't write something like this now if they tried. I don't. Well, I mean, maybe now that Todd's back in the band, because I really have liked the last couple of Todd uh, albums. But uh, 
towards the end with Tate, I, I could never see him reaching any, like this or any other song on this album. Well, Tate didn't even want to play stuff from the first three albums at yeah, a certain yeah. point. Right. Uh, but then it leads into the song, which now this is where I have a question for you. Because, uh, you know, I, I realize all the other, the instrumental and the in, in, interludes and stuff like Anarchy X, okay, that that's a building, you know, uh, uh, you know, of what's to come. I even get the title and everything. Electric Requiem, I mean, it is a requiem musically and kind of lyrically for, for uh, Mary. But now... Even though I love this song, I never knew what the fuck "Waiting for 22." What what does that mean? That I never knew. Do you know? Are my... you asking me? Yeah. I don't know what the actual title means. Believe me, it's something I've googled a lot. I'm such a like a information nerd. Like when I get I, I kind of have like mild OCD. When I get into something, I want to know ins and outs about it. Right. I just want to absorb it all. I mean, as far as what the song is, it's just like, um, I think it's like Nikki, he was arrested, and I think it's just him sitting, contemplating in his room, and then it blends into my empty room, you know, in his cell. But I don't know what the actual title, I could never right. find any guys saying, like, if there's a significance behind the actual title itself. Uh, but it's a cool piece of music. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I always wondered, like, you know, you know, what did he kill 21 people and now he's waiting for the 22nd or you know is he about See, to I, turn 22 yeah or like is, I didn't, is that his no, prison I, number or his room number you know i mean i had a feeling it might have something to do with the phrase catch 22 but then again i'm not sure like it's just they never no one ever addressed it so well ralph i know you probably don't know either but what do you think of the song <laughs> <laughs> is that is that when they're, they're interrogating him no that's, no, that's the beginning, the beginning of, of I don't, I don't believe, believe in love. love. This is the one where he's like, uh, the, this is the one that bleeds into uh, Eyes of the Stranger, right? No. 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 That, that's my empty room. Oh, okay. What, what, what's this one? <laughs> this is the uh, song with the slide guitar solo. Okay. It's, it just, it's, you know it's what I mean? It's instrumental. Yeah. Correct. Well, the, I think it's slide guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the next. Yeah, okay. The yeah, next no, two no. are instrumentals. I mean, they're little. You know, but my empty room has some more. You know, that that has some more vocal. You know, talk. Yeah, it has has. Well, no, it has singing in it. Oh yeah, a little bit. What, what is he saying then? Refresh my memory. In my empty room, it like it bleeds into where it's like, um, who's gonna come, wash away my sins, right. clean my yeah. room, fix no, my meals. That's that's the the segue into Isaac Stranger. Correct, but yeah, yeah, the one we're on is that little guitar. It's just guitar. Right. Uh, it's like, it's that, yeah, yeah. I see, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's good. It's a little nice instrumental that keeps the flow going, and uh, but it has no lyrics, right? Right. Yeah, there's not yeah. much I can say. I like it. I like the instrumental the guitar work on it. That's odd. It seems like very melancholy to me. Right. Yeah. But it does have an ending. It doesn't really bleed into my empty room. No, you'll hear like uh, I believe it's like a clock, like a grandfather yeah. clock. Uh, going yeah yeah isn't and isn't that so perfect how like they time like the clock like it's a metronome and then they how that riff comes in like right on yeah. the clock time if you notice it's pretty right. amazing that just that yeah. small little detail i love that it's so fucking awesome so that's what i think of a little instrumental all right well ralph what do you think of my empty room yeah i love it man that's where you know um so it's he sings so softly, but then at the end he's like screaming out in such anger and pain and disappointment. 
<clears throat> and the way uh, the last uh, thing he says kind of echoes and echoes yeah. like farther, farther away, yeah. where that music comes in afterwards, that so reminds me of The Wall so much, of Pink Floyd The Wall. Uh, I don't remember what part of The Wall it is, but um, it just reminds me. It's got such a Pink Floyd feel to it. And that's all. And I, and I got that from the first time I heard it. I was like, damn, this is total wall worship right here. Um, right. I love it. I love it. I guess the, where, um, what's the song in the wall where Pablo Geldof like slams his hand against the fucking glass and he's bleeding? Uh, know, Would you like to fly? Would you like to see me try? Yeah. You know? It's kind of got that vibe to it, you know? Right. One of my turns, I think it's called. Yeah. Maybe that one. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of that, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And then, like you know, just the way it echoes at the end and bleeds into "Eye of the Stranger" is just perfect. I love it. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it's it's a killer, I guess, segue track. And like Ralph says, uh, it just it's Tate at his best. Him and just the acoustic guitar in the beginning, and then the band just you know power chords with Jeff screaming and Scott just slamming on like those low, low floor toms and how it bleeds right into, you know, uh, eyes of a stranger. And then you start to hear the hospital PA again. And, yeah. you know, Nikki starts coming, it starts coming back to where Nikki is an utterly depressing song. But like the thing about this sound to me is like, especially this whole side is very dark. It's very depressing, but it doesn't, but it's got an energy to it though that carries it as well so it's depressing uh but it doesn't totally feel it's hard to explain it's just it's such an unbelievably crafted album and the way the music and lyrics go together i I really have never heard anything like it it's completely unique unto itself it's it's a it's an utter masterpiece but that's what i think sorry (laughs) Uh, i i agree uh i love my empty room i love the way it works uh like Ralph brought up how, how softly he's talking and everything and you know it just just furthers the story like now he's caught he realizes he's fucked he's starting to come off of you know this you know drug induced hypnosis and really starting to realize everything that happened what what a bad fucking you know mess he's in and and it just it the, the way they comes it not only musically but lyrically but also the delivery everything hits on the points it needs to for effective storytelling and you know the same thing can be said about the whole album it's just really good storytelling and excellent music um, yeah I love it and then it leads into what is my favorite track and uh, man and I used to be a lot like around spreading the disease was my favorite for the longest time but since I've been re-listening to this getting ready for the review and for listeners who don't know, we've been prepping this review for about a month and a half. Uh, <laughs> so, so I keep on, oh, we're getting ready to do that. I better listen to this again. I better listen to it again. Man, it's just, I almost forgot how perfect of a song this is, uh, uh, Eyes of a Stranger. And, oh, man, uh, not one one note goes to waste. It's... it's the second longest song on the album, but yet it doesn't feel like it. Like you don't want it to fucking end, um, you know. And then it does end with great, you, you know. You get not closure, but you find out a little bit more about what's happening, and uh, and uh, 
it, it is a great like cliffhanger of an ending because people would talk for years oh god you know what happened you know they need to do a part two you know and then you know it was kind of like well don't do a part two because it's perfect leaving it as it is you know sometimes you don't have to answer every question it makes it that much stronger uh, but of course, when the well runs dry, you go out with that part two and go get some money. And that's yeah, or if you do part two, you make sure one of the principal songwriters is still in the band. But I mean, what the hell do I know? Right. I mean, I mean, and let's you know call two what it was. I mean, that was that was a cash grab. They're just grasping yeah. at straws because nothing else was selling. And uh, but I mean, I mean that's something. You know, I, I think maybe if if. I don't feel enough people check out this awesome episode. We might punish them on April Fools and, and have you back for review part two. <laughs> oh boy! Well, I'll tell you what. Like I was one of those suckers. I'm like, of course I'm gonna go buy Operation. Mike oh, Price. I was a first day buyer. And I got it home, and I'm like, I'm the asshole here. I knew this wasn't gonna be good, but I still went and got it because nothing else was good before it. Yeah. But I I couldn't help myself. I, I knew I, it was going to be bad, but when, when I heard uh, I'm American, I was like, hey, that that's pretty good. You know, that's that's the best I've heard from these guys in a long time. But, well, but that, like, that, go that ahead. song, Ian, that song uh, was played when they opened for Judas Priest before the album came out. Right. And, and when they I, played it live, I was like, oh, my God, Operation Minecraft 2 is going to and Ian, I think you saw the same tour I did in like what oh five, yes, what it was. Yes. And they played the video of this song at the end of. Right. But even then, I knew I'm like this song isn't that great. Like on its own, it's fine compared to that album. But when you hear "I'm American" right after "Eyes of Stranger," like yeah. it's not the same. It's not. Yeah. I. I but I. I mean, back back to "Eyes of Stranger." I mean, this was just. Oh, what an epic fucking song and and then it, it it doesn't really give you a final answer but it's great at summing up the whole story and I like it. it's just a great recap and it has a little bit of everything that you felt in the album up until that point and uh, you know with a, with a great warning if you will of a, of a message man don't, don't trust a motherfucker because look where I'm at and what a way to end a, just a, a flawless fucking album like I said I believe this is the greatest concept album, at least I've ever heard, as far as a storytelling standpoint. I mean, yeah, you're hard-pressed to beat the wall, you know, uh, even Animals, you know, which is my favorite Floyd album. But, I mean, there's, there's many other concept albums I like. But, unfortunately, you know, a lot of them are like the fucking Elder. And, 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 and by the way... But what I mean by that, though, is they, they, they sell it as a concept album because it's a novelty kind of thing like oh you got to get this tells a story but it's like really like like what the fuck is this shit saying you, you know yeah. it, it's or, or even if it's like um something that's a little bit more like it's not ambiguous like you could tell the story it's just not a, a worthwhile story to begin with i mean like like look at wasp with the neon god that shit was terrible you know i fuck i think crimson idol was fucking terrible but you know there's there's so many bad concept albums because it's a pompous uh, kind of idea to even begin with because it, it, it's a great undertaking that if pulled off right, you look like a genius. If pulled off yeah. wrong, you really look fucking stupid. You know? So, uh... Yeah, I, there's absolutely nothing pompous about Operation Mind. No, oh, no. there's That's no fact so either. No, and, 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 and like you were saying earlier, Mike, you know, 
how this could fit into, uh, you know, today's, you know, with what's going on in the news. Shit, I felt the same way in 05 when Bush was in. I was like, oh my God, the time, this, this, you know, this is a timeless, but, but it, it is, whether wherever you're at, you know, this doesn't lean one way or the other. It just tells an effective story. You know, I, I think I it does that is because the story is really about Nikki. It's about a personal story about a guy who has nothing and he just goes through, you know, it's kind of like just this guy's yeah. fault. I mean, it's not like he really started in a high place, yeah. but the political aspects they touch upon are stuff that will be around forever. Right. Greed, corruption, religion. Right. That will never change. Like as bleak as that or. Um, well, come on. You can't fuck a chick for 25 bucks now. That is true. Well, you can, but I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Point me in that direction. <laughs> but, but I, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, that is something that'll never, you know, the story of Nikki. I mean, somebody who's got nothing to lose yet some, yet still loses everything. And and, and that is, it's just, it, it's so well, well written and, and surprising. I mean, for a band that you know that was that young, really, if you think about it. You, you know, to, to do something like this and to pull it off, I, I mean, this is definitely one of the greatest albums of all time, in my opinion, you know, love it. Ralph, what do yeah. you, what, or did you have anything more to say about Eyes of a Stranger, Mike? Oh, yeah, I mean, this song to me was my first favorite. It probably still is my overall favorite. This song has, it's got power, it's got emotion. Jeff Tate, this is his finest hour of any song he's ever sang on. This is it. When he says, looking back at me and he holds that note, I mean, it's unbelievable. The guitar work is great. I love Scott Rockenfield's uh, ride and hi-hat thing. I remember being like 12 trying to figure that out. I'm like, oh, Andy's opening the hi-hat at the same time. Like, I felt, oh my God, yeah. And I would take Eddie Jackson and Scott Rockefield. They're up there as, as far as like some of my favorite rhythm sections, like with Steve Harris, Clyde Burr, and McBrain, uh, Geezer, and Bill. Like to me, the they're different Dollar than those Ricky. guys. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, those guys. They're the see. Uh, not see here. Uh, Eddie Jackson's bass is like a Mack truck in this song, and with him and Scott just during that verse when they're just like doop. Doop, 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 just hammering it in. The mel, the uh, harmony in the middle is amazing, and when they did that live, how they brought back that harmony as a tail. I mean, that guitar harmony gives me chills every time I hear it. When Mike comes in after Chris's solo and there's no guitar underneath it, and then Mike comes in and harmonizes with him, that is my all-time favorite Queensrÿche moment ever. And this is probably my favorite Queensrÿche song of all time. Awesome, Ralph. I was just thinking, man, how the fuck would would a blotzer pulled this one off? <laughs> remember, remember, he was in Jeff Tate's band for like ten minutes. Oh, I, oh I yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Well, I th- I thought even with the hodgepodge of people he had, I mean, they were definitely talented people. But I was like, yeah, it didn't sound right though. Uh oh, you you saw the Jeff Tate solo? I saw yeah, I saw him with Simon Wright, who oh. is a good drummer, but I, I mean I th- and. I think he's bored now. Brian Tishy, Brian. Oh, Tishy. he's way better. Oh, way better. But I, I gotta admit, I went into that show expecting nothing, and goddamn, that that band and, and Tate sounded good vocally. I I he was did. very impressed because I really didn't think 
But I thought the same thing. When I got there and I saw Simon Wright wasn't there, I was like, thank God, because I think that dude is oh, not, not like incompetent, but just so bland. Just so bland. Like you would never, oh, that's a Simon Wright beat. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. No. And and also for me, this album is so special. And this lineup is one of my favorite lineups of any band that I love. Like the five of these guys had magic. You know what I mean? And when I and I like Ruby Sarzo, I thought he was great in Ozzy. But I don't want you don't lick your bass to Operation Mindcrime. <laughs> that just that's me. Maybe I'm like the don't throw the ball in my yard guy, but. I, I just couldn't and then Kelly Gray who sucked I always hated Kelly Gray he never could hold a candle to Chris Sigarmo. Uh just when I saw him with when I saw Queensryche my very first time was with Kelly Gray they opened up for Maiden on the Brave New World Tour when I was in high school and I was like this guy blows like he doesn't even play the leads I don't know that was my experience but Jeff did sound good I will give him that alright um Eyes of the Stranger in my opinion is the greatest vocals Jeff has ever done. Up to that point, I would think it would be Take Hold of the Flame, but this one surpasses it. Um, What an amazing, amazing performance by Jeff Tate and the whole band, for that matter. But, um, God, the way that guy sings, you know, in that song. You gotta remember, like, to the hardcore... Well, you guys were too young to uh, know this, but uh, up to the point where... Operation Minecraft didn't exist and and pretty much Queensrug was pretty much an underground band really even though they were on a major label it was only the hardcores that knew about him and he was already you know hailed as one of the best metal singers out there and for him to come out and do something that surpassed everything he did on the first three albums well two albums and a half in my opinion it was just mind blowing and yeah I got that from this album I was like man what an ending what a great like you know finale to have Jeff Tate pull off what I consider his greatest vocals ever you know I don't think he can ever pull something off like that it's just you know it's like from from the nice you know crooning type vocals in the beginning to just screaming his ass off but keep staying in key and you know just that whole People always turn away from the eyes of the stranger. Just shit like that is just so, man, like, makes the it's fur It's like rise. tortured emotion, Ralph. I mean, but yeah. it's powerful, though, too. It's like, it's very not powerful. bullshit. You, it's very it, powerful. It, it sounds like he's feeling that. Like, he, it's an, it's, I, I, I get chills. Just him on that song. I, like, when I look at, like, my plays, like, on your iTunes, if I listen to this album 20 times, Eyes of a Stranger, I've listened to 50. Like, I just can't get enough of oh, that yeah. song. And, I can't. Yeah. Another good point you brought up is, you know, that looking back at me. I mean, that, to me, that's, oh, like, my God. that's like one of those, like, you know, Goosebumps, Paul, Paul, Paul for Victim of Changes moments. I mean, it's so good. And then, you know, Scott Rockenfeld, I'm Tommy Lee and Tommy Lee with, the, you know, with, uh, you know, off the symbol to the snare and stuff. Oh, man. What, oh, yeah. the upbeats, how he's hitting that yeah. China on the upbeat. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God, dude. And and that looking back at me is also the perfect bridge from yeah. the, like, mellow type singing to, like, the yeah. rest, you know, like, going into that chorus. It's just the perfect bridge. It's like, You never oh, felt man. it, man. <laughs> huh? It, 
I'm sorry. Oh, oh, yeah, bridge, bridge. He's doing oh, bridge. <laughs> you never you know, In that chorus, when Scott and Eddie are just like that chug, 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 they're chugging underneath, and it's heavy, but you got those vocals soaring. I mean, it is almost one of the most perfect compositions of a song I've ever heard. Easily. Yeah, amazing. Amazing fucking song. Love it. And what a great way to end the album, especially with I Remember Now. And it just yeah. ends. The perfect it, ending. I'm know? like, this is it? I want more. <laughs> you know, it has that eerie beginning music. I remember now. And then the now just like shuts off the whole thing. Yeah. You know, it's just fucking perfect. So there you go. All right. Well, this album was released in May 3rd, 1988. Uh, and it made it to number 50. Only made it to number 50 on the Billboard 200. Uh, but it has gone platinum. But it didn't go platinum until 91 after the success of Empire. It, it, it went gold at the time of its release. I know that. But yeah, it didn't go platinum until after Empire. And uh, man, what, a, what, what an achievement for any band. I mean, even... You know, this is, you know, it's kind of like Guns N' Roses with Appetite. Even if this band never did anything else, uh, they should be in any kind of Hall of Famer. They'll always be remembered for Mind Crime. No matter what they do, you know, they, they're going to get respect for this album. And they, they deserve it, you know, 100%. I oh, yeah. All You're right. right. Do you have anything uh, left you'd like to add, Mike? Uh, I mean, just... I'm with you, Ian. I think this is probably my favorite concept album just because it may not be, I mean, as regaled as high as The Wall. But for me, this album was musically more in tune with what I like. But I feel like just the music and lyrics, you, I can't imagine, like, I wouldn't change one thing about this. I couldn't imagine this album another way. And it's, I know it's like people say this album's been done to death, but I feel it's almost slightly underappreciated by some people. Like, oh yeah, Mind Crime's a good album, but like, if you really take the time to get deep, this album is, it's a perfect album to me, and uh, I was just stoked to do this, like, and I know it's not probably the most entertaining episode because there's not a lot of disagreement, but I don't know, man. This album is just amazing. Perfect. I, I think it's gonna be a great episode for people who like good fucking music. Yeah, no, and it was very, and it's, and, and like, um, trivia, it was very detailed, and, and I, I, I don't know if other people like it, but as long as I like it, that's all that matters. That's right. You know what, Ralph? Fuck him. That's right. <laughs> Fuck it, them. It, get, it, the, get the trumpene out, Al. Fuck them. <laughs> all right. Well, it is time in the, the show where we do Pick of the Week, and Mike, since you are our uh, special guest, what is your Pick of the Week? Well, I was thinking of something that would kind of go well with this album. I was thinking uh, prog metal, but like real more metal. So I went with 1986, Fate's Warnings, Awaken the Guardian. Oh my I, god. That's actually I, not, not that album, but... And I prefer that album than my pick of the week, but my pick is also Fate's Warnings. Because <laughs> I'm uh, totally into John Arch. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it all, but um, I remember I heard about this band, and I was in of Borders music in like 10th grade and I just bought the album. I'm like this cover is pretty dope I'm gonna go get this and um, it's you know what these guys were like a lot of people say Maiden which I hear it but the, John Mateos was a huge Merciful Fate fan and you can hear a lot of mercy I yeah. feel in oh. this I, this album is killer from start to finish I think it's a loose concept too that's why I chose it but The Sorceress 
Fate of Morgana, Valley of Dolls, Guardian, Exodus. I mean, this whole album is perfect. I, uh, and an underappreciated band and definitely, I think, underappreciated album. They kind of flew under the radar. Uh, but I think they said it's kind of their own doing, though. Like, Jim didn't album tour, album tour. They just kind of took their time. And he goes, I just kind of wanted to do music for fun in a way. So, But this album is uh, it's a pretty amazing piece of uh, metal, in my opinion. Well, let me ask both of you this question. Uh, because I, I, I have all their albums on my computer. The only one I listened to all the way through was that one I was talking to you about earlier, Mike, That the one with the origami on the front. Oh, uh, Darkness in a Different Light, I think. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed that one. But, you know, being a guy that doesn't know anything about this band, and I know, like, their real popular one is No Exit or something. But what, that's a killer album, what, yeah. What, but that's with a different singer, correct? Correct. Ray Alvo, oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, as somebody who basically is new to them what would you guys recommend you know because i want to get into these guys Where's i would start? start with awaken the guardian and then i would go this is me i'd go awaken the guardian and then the next two would be no exit and um oh what the hell is the second album i'm blanking out on it Perfect the specter within specter within oh specter within yeah. um the first album a lot of people hail i feel it's kind of like a polished demo because that's oh, all it I is. like really? it though Night of the Bomb no it is but I don't think it's as good as the second and third album and right. I think uh, if you like those you know what I think too I know we're kind of getting off track but I think Parallels is almost the perfect crossover pop metal rock record it's like it. I don't know like I, I know a lot of people don't like Parallels but I think it's like an amazing mainstream record but still has edge and great songs I don't know, but that's where I, I would start with Awake in the Guardian, me personally. I think based on if I could guess what you kind of like, Ian, okay. like, I mean, you'd be in that area. All right. So what, what do you, you, you agree with that, Ralph? Yeah, yeah. I, well, no, actually, <laughs> uh, no, no, I think it's a great album and you should check it out because it is a great album. But I think maybe for you would be my pick of the week is No Exit, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, I love uh, that one, Ralph. Oh. Yeah, that one is a little more straightforward, too. Like, I mean, it is like, you know, but, you know, like, I think Ian would like something like Anarchy Divine uh, or Silent Cries, you know, like the single. And the whole uh, second half is amazing, too. Yeah. That long song. It's the first album with uh, Ray Alder. And, but, you know, I'm more of a John Arch fan. I love Night of Rock, and I love, you know, the one you, you mentioned, too. But um, Spectre Within? Uh, yeah, Spectre. I have them both on vinyl. But I, I, um, I love No Exit. I love that album. I don't think it's better than the John Arch stuff, but I think, and that was my pick because I think the vocals on that, Ray Alder, is more, I think would appeal more to a Queensryche fan if if they don't know about Fate's Warning. Because I honestly believe if anybody gets into Fate's Warning through Alder and then they go back and listen to John Arch, they'll become a bigger John Arch fan. I think uh, Alder has more of an accessible voice, even though, fuck, I'm not slamming John Arch at all. But I think he would be a better gateway to get into John Arch. I, I agree with you, Ralph, because I remember when I first heard it, I liked it, but I thought John Arch, he almost had like a... It's almost like he was like a medieval folksy lead singer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was like in a metal band in like 1600s. It, he has right. a really interesting quality to his voice. And, yeah. the, you know... it's Yeah, it is interesting. And, and I think that one is... Uh, it, it, and it really does uh, bridge well. Uh, you didn't build it then, uh, with um, the you know Spectre Within, 
and um, uh, in the early stuff. You know, it, it has like that. I don't know. I think those first few albums were very. Uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I just think they're all part of the the major picture. You know, it's like a progression. Yeah, well, absolutely. the first two definitely were like Maiden and Merciful Fate Worship. Is Awaken the Guardian? I thought they kind of had more of their own sound. Yeah. To me, but you, do, does that make sense, Ralph? Well, I, it does make sense, but I still hear hints of the early stuff in that album. Oh, you oh know? yeah, yeah. Fate of Morgana is a Maiden. That the beginning riff is like Maiden, without right. guitar harmony and the galloping yeah. bass underneath it. Yeah, exactly. So. But that's my pick of the Whoa. week. No, I awesome. Well, I'll definitely check both of those out, and uh, and I will let it be known uh, what I think of it. Uh, my pick this week is some, sometimes we do this most of the time we don't, but I'm picking something by the band we just talked about. And um, this is an album that I didn't get when it came out because I'd already given up on Queensryche. Uh, while there was uh, a lot of stuff I loved on Empire, there was a lot of stuff I didn't like. And when Promised Land came out and I heard the bridge, I liked it, but I was like, I don't want another album of fucking, you know, I don't want a bad Pink Floyd album, you know? So I just kind of pushed Queens right to the side. It was, you know, 90s, it was all about Pantera. If you weren't Pantera, you know, fuck it. Uh, and, and even though I, I like the single off of this album, I, I never bought it, but it's here in the now frontier. Uh, yeah, I, it's an underrated album. I went back. I love that album. I, I, I love went, that album. I went back and got that. Uh, I think after it must have been after Q2K because I picked up Q2K just on on a fluke because I saw it used in a record store. I was like, oh, I'll give it a try. But oh, that sucks. <laughs> see, I I, 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 I there's some songs I really like. I don't think it's a great Queensrÿche album, but there are some songs that I really love on that album. But. Uh, but then when I went back and got here the Now Frontier, I was like, "Wow, this is a, it's a really interesting album. It's a it's a kitchen sink album because you know they were chasing you know the funny thing what blew up was the Seattle scene and they're from a Seattle band, but you would never you know it's like oh you you can't bring up other bands from Seattle that aren't grunge you, you know and it's like even though they were a, you know a huge band from Seattle you, you know but this is them trying to chase that that sound and. and that experimentation uh, because there's every type of song on there but I think it's a really really good album I mean nothing like what they did before but maybe that's mm -hmm. part of the charm of it but I I, I, I love the whole thing it's all it's a it's a, definitely a 90s album because there's like 57 songs on it but uh, but in uh, the the production's not great but I'm with you. I like the songs. I mean, I was 13 when that album came out, and I went and bought it day one. Like, um, oh, I love Spool. That's such a great song. Yeah. Oh. I like You is a good song. Uh, I love Hit the Black. I like yep. Some People Fly. Saved. Sign Saved of the Times I like. Sign of the Times is probably my favorite one. Yeah, I like that one. I love the fuck. I love how it goes into that little acoustic part. I, I love the one. Which, which is the one that DeGarmo sings? All I want, I believe. Yeah, it's a, it's like almost like Beatlesque. You hypnotize. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't sing, but he's yeah. I thought it's he's so good on that song. Yeah, I, love, no, I, I, I I found it really interesting. You know, uh, I like, hated Cuckoo though. I hated that fucking song. Yeah, Cuckoo's a little lame. Anytime yeah, that, anywhere is probably my least on that, but um, 
Oh, Hit the Black is a pretty heavy song. Yeah, Hit the Black is the heaviest song. But but I, I think this would be a good one, you know, if you were, uh, you know, a fan of them in the earlier days or even maybe in the later day and you, and you pass this record up, I say give it another shot. Here in the Now Frontiers, my pick of the week. Yeah, like, if you awesome. like Promised Land, you would, I think you would like that album. See, I didn't really care for Promised Land. Oh, I yeah, like Promised it. Land, I didn't like it all. I like Damage on it. And I like the one about the crazy girl. Lady Jane, we were talking about that. <laughs> I remember on Facebook, you're like, I just don't like songs about people's dads or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. It was just a depressing song. One more I still time. got my dad. My dad never left. Yeah. I mean, I love that song one more time. That's like a Queens. It's got all the Queens right sound staples to it to me. Um, I am. I don't know. I just like that's one thing I will give these guys credit for up until Chris left. You know, you may not have always loved what they did, but it was genuine, I felt, and they weren't afraid to take chances. Like, you wouldn't have an album like Rage for Order if they didn't want to take chances. Right. Well, I mean, that album is a total... It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And and you got to remember, this is uh, a band that came out full-blown metal, you know? Yeah. And the warning was a radical departure from, from the EP. You know, uh, where you'd have songs like Child of Fire that sounds like it would go right into the EP, but then it goes into this real mellow part that's so cool, but yet it's nothing like the EP, you know? And <laughs> yeah. then and then Rage for Order was even... Rage for Order, I think, was, like, way ahead of its time. It's like, some parts sound kind of industrial, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, now you were around it when it came out, but, like, from my perspective, I found into it through my you know dad and after the fact because i'm a lot younger but so i had mind crime and empire first and i went out to like strawberries music i don't know if you guys had them where you were but i was like oh i went and bought the rachel order cassette assuming it would be like mind crime and it wasn't and it took me a while to get into but once i got into it i'm like this album is genius like screaming yeah. and oh. digital i oh. will remember walking the shadows Oh, you were, uh, yeah, I Dream in Infrared. I mean, that whole album is killer. Even the cover is good. It's weird, I but like it's it, awesome. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you want to hear something that's even better than Rage for Order, listen to our Rage for Order episode. Yeah. I did. Where well, we no, talk about what makes us yeah. cry. Yeah, even if it's just for what makes us cry. Well, that's why I put that in my review. And then Ralph said, fuck you. But I, I he laughed about it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah great album great i mean yeah they were just on a roll for me up to my crime and then here and now from here i didn't like all of it but man the songs i like i'll take that album way over fucking promise land empire easily mm, uh, i would take i mean i like promising a little bit more but but no it's a good i think it's an underrated album I, you know sure. and I'm, I'm probably after i i check out the fates of warning i might revisit uh promise land and give another day in court damage is awesome that's probably my favorite one but on that song now it's time to get into fan of the week and our fan of the week is here with us mike uh man you've been here a short time but you made uh you made quite an impact you're very active on the facebook page and uh and more importantly i think you did a great job today on the episode yeah you're very good i want them back yeah we, we've had we've had a, a a lucky run here because yeah a, a, a lot of people uh you know oh two assholes talking we can do that, that uh, that's easy and then they get they get on here and kind of clam up or you know get, get get nerves you had a great flow you brought a lot of information to it and a lot of passion and i mean that that's all of it right there so i would love to have you back uh you know afterwards and plus you handled very well the way i came on to you as a gay man yes 
which well, will probably to. Which, will, that. which will probably be a YouTube exclusive. <laughs> yeah, which 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 makes me wonder. <laughs> Why was he so comfortable with that? Just kidding. But uh, we, we thank you, and uh, please spread the word so we have more fans in upstate New York. <laughs> no, absolutely, guys. I mean, it's definitely my pleasure. And hey, again, hey, Mike, by the way, I was born up there. You know Terrytown? Uh, it's a small town, right? Yeah, it's like a very tiny town. It's where Sleepy the, Hollow is. Yeah, near that's... White, near White Plains, that's where the Tappan Zee Bridge goes to. That's not even really... up. I'm way more upstate than that. I'm, like, oh, near okay. the capital. I'm near, like, the Albany area-ish, okay. like, in that area. But no, I mean, I feel you. I feel you. Ace Fairly once lived there. Hey, I've been to Poughkeepsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you drive right through it? <laughs> no, no, I had to stay in Poughkeepsie for a wedding. <laughs> I went to a show once, and I'm like, I don't think my car is going to be here when I get back out did of you this go, did show. You, did you go to the Chance? Was that where yes, you were, yeah, I used to chance. go to the Chance all the time. Yeah, because when I was in, seeing like the like the bands like Behemoth and them coming through, like they would play those places. So. Like yeah. I saw Morbid, I saw Morbid Angel there when uh, David Vincent was doing his uh, Nikki Six look. <laughs> oh boy, that's a terrible album. Oh yeah, I mean, but he was looking like when he rejoined uh, my brother and I used to kid around. He was a death metal Nikki Six, which yeah, is a well, huge he, look he was anyway. Looking that way for a while, and Jenna Torture was. Yep, with his wife, right? Yep. Yeah, Jen. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that's oh, terrible. <laughs> all righty, we really appreciate you, Mike, and uh, I want to let our listeners know that after the plugs. We are going to post on this my my former band Blood Sausage and our death metal version of uh, I Don't Believe in Love. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But right now, we got to get into the plugs. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U-K time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Ear Pillar the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Alright KISS Army, since 2007, you've been getting podkissed. The KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... (laughs) Then you'll love us. 
That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Simp Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. All right, well, if you enjoyed the concept of this episode, come back next week when it is another fan-picked, fan-paid review. What it is, we don't know yet, because we schedule this shit, then we postpone it, and then we reschedule it. But come back next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are going to leave you with my death metal rendition of I Don't Believe in Love. Available nowhere.